Let's talk about a healthier alternative. You're a nerd! Hey, what? It's cool to eat healthy. Nut Up Industries, the official snack of main event moto and moto heads everywhere. Nut Up or shut up. Healthy snacking has never been easier. Next time you're headed to the track, grab a healthy snack. No more candies, chips, and cookies. Nut Up chopped almonds and almond butter is your healthy alternative. It tastes just like it smells. Delicious. Nut Up Industries. They'll burst all over your mouth. California almonds. You ain't cool. These ain't your daddy's nuts. Dungey and Roxon bring the fire to San Diego while Shane McElrath doubles down in the 250s. We're going to break it all down for you today with Greg Albertson, who joins us by phone in segments two and three. We'll do uppers and downers, listener questions, producer Joe. Let's have some fun. You are listening to the main, main show, a main event moto podcast. Powered by motosport.com. That's right, powered by motosport.com. This is episode number 37 of Main Event Moto. What's up, Moto Heads? How you guys all doing today? It's it's lively in the Bat Cave right now. I'm with my man, producer Joe. What up? Joe, San Diego. Little better than Anaheim, I would say, as far as the racing goes. Anaheim was kind of a bore. San Diego, spice things up. Um, I'm stoked. You know what? Right off the top, I got to say, every race that happens... You know, it leaves you with a feeling of what to expect for the next one. And I got to tell you, 250 class, 450 class, I am pumped to go back to Anaheim. Like, I, Anaheim 1 was good, but San Diego was better. And, and I feel like my excitement level's up because it was great. The 450s, Rocks and Dungy. I mean, that, that's what we wanted to see. I mean, we didn't want the runaway. We talked about it last week. We want to yeah. see some fireworks. And it was great. The 250 class is setting up to be one of the maybe coolest 250 championships we've seen in years. It was good. What'd you think? Yeah, I was excited. There was some some bar banging, some smashing. And the track, right? I think the track, right off the top, there was... Was this more technical? The track was busier. It was more technical. And the soil made things more difficult. Yeah. I think the berms were opened up a little wider, which caused for good... I mean, dude, the McElrath-Forkner battle was great. The Anderson-Tomac battle was great. Yeah. Guys were getting physical in the main events, heat races. It was it was a good night of racing. I Right off, right off the top of the show, I gotta yeah. say, I'm... I'm in a better mood than I was a week ago. I was a little gloomy last week, right? The Jenny Taft Ricky Carmichael battle was good too. They were fighting over screen time on TV. Who won? I think Jenny did, but you never know. I mean, Ricky's Ricky's so got a shasty. new hair. He's got a new haircut though. <laughs> he he's, does. He's yeah. looking good. Jenny's looking. She's looking pretty good, I'd say. I, she's uh, all right. I mean, Ricky's looking super hot. She's she's just okay. She's okay. Right on, Joe. Before we get into uh, the breakdowns, we got Greg Albertson coming on. We're going to talk 450s, 250s. We'll do uppers and downers with Greg. Me and him are texting last night. Dude, we're, we're both excited to break this thing down. But um, last night watching the race, I, I got to say, I something kind of stood out. And I'm going to get into that here in this opening segment. Before I do, I got to tell you that the Blair household is under fire right now, Joe. <laughs> I'm struggling I come to you in times of need, and, and uh, I, I need you, Joe. Uh, I need you. I need your right. advice. I need your guidance. So here's the situation. My wife, Maggie, she's been training for six months. She's doing this half marathon at Disneyland, right? She's been training, running, five miles, eight miles. 11. Well, today's the big day, 13 miles. Well, here's the problem. She left me at home with the two terrorists for three days by myself. Now, usually Maggie's got the kids on lock, and I just, I'm, I'm like the cool dad, right? I, I go to work. <laughs> I come home. I play. Yeah. I discipline. Yeah, I, yeah. You've seen me. I, yeah. I'll lay it down. I'll yeah. I'll whoop some ass. But 
it's not that hard. I, I got it. I got it made in the shade. So Maggie leaves for three days and pretty much is like, good luck. And I'm like, this ain't nothing. Come on. This mm. is they're just they're two little human beings, whatever. Those two terrorists have been teaming up on me <laughs> for a day and a half now. They're they're conspiring. The house is a mess. It's Uh-oh. a disaster, and I I can't take it. We got them tied up right now in the Batcave. I got them muzzled and tied up in the corner. Like, mm, mm, and I I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't want to like tell my wife when she gets home like how proud of her I am for what she does because she's got it on lock. Because I don't want her to, like have that on me. Huh. But dude, I don't know how she does it. They're psychotic. It's this is ridiculous. This whole. I mean, I'm like a single mom for the last day and a half, and I can't take it. Sounds like a movie starring Eddie Murphy. I don't know. <laughs> well, Eddie I don't know Murphy. What, all I can tell you is make sure the house is clean before she gets home. It's not, dude. You I'm better hurry you right up. Now, I, I got till mid-Monday. All right. I got time. Make sure that thing is clean before it's she gets home. It's a disaster. But anyways, this sets the stage for last night. Now, I've been on the Arena Cross tour for five years. Last night was the first Arena Cross I've missed in five years. Crazy. And so everyone out there knows I've been at racing and doing arena cross for five years, also working for GoPro as their event coordinator. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. So the TV deal, that happens during the week. Um, the races are taped, and then I go during the week and we do the voiceovers. So I wasn't there last night. And usually I'm leaving the arena cross and getting to the bar, getting to the hotel so I can watch Supercross, right? Well, last night I'm on the couch at my house. I'm watching Supercross and I'm stoked. All right, I'm sitting back, got a little pizza, had a Coors Light in my hand, got my notepad out, ready to take notes, and I'm ready to do this thing. Well, the two jihadists, six-year-old and three-year-olds, or six-year-old and three-year-old, made it virtually impossible to watch this race with full attention. So let's put it this way. I had to get up this morning and watch it again while they were still asleep because last night was a nightmare. But something stood out last night, Joe, and before we get into the breakdowns, Something did stand out last night. Now that I've had a chance to sit there and watch this thing in the comfort of my own home, and what stood out to me was the gap between the second 250 heat race and the lights main. This hour and a half gap of, I, to be honest, boredom. Mm. Uh, the semis aren't entertaining to me. The LCQs aren't entertaining to me. There's a, a gap. And I found myself kind of, I guess, losing interest, and then the mains come around, and I'm good again. But there's just this period of the night, and, I, and I'm, I'm guessing 99% of the people listening to this podcast probably watched the races last night, and they're probably thinking the same thing, that there is a, a period of time when things go a little dull. And it just got me thinking, and I'm laying in bed last night, and I'm thinking, man, you know, how could that be fixed? And, and I'll tell you right off the top, I, I know the guys at Feld, they're, they're working on things right now behind the scenes. They're, they're constantly trying to improve the sport, and, and they have. Look how good the sport is right now. The TV package is great. The live event is great. We're in a good spot, but they're constantly trying to improve things. And I know that format changes might be in the works of having some changes. Um, so just laying in bed last night, creatively, I got my pen and paper out and thought, how could I, what would I do if I could kind of recraft the Supercross show? Um, and I want to do that in this opening segment. I want to give you guys a little rundown on what I would do. Not dramatic changes, just a way to make the entire show two and a half hours super impactful. Because like I said, it started hot. It started hot. It got dry, and then it ended hot. And I think the sport would benefit from having a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour program that was just on fire all the time. So, Joe, are we ready to do this? You want to you wanna hear my breakdown on how we're going to do this, how we're going to make this change to, to just light this thing on fire? I do. However, I want to just go on the record saying that I don't mind the other races. I'm not bored during those. Why? I think it's because it's newer to me. You're, okay. a, you're an old, jaded ex-racer. <laughs> 
jaded. And so you kind of get grumpy old man. You get bored a little easier than some people. So you might. still like the semis? I do. Yeah. And the LCQ. Yeah, yeah. I like all that. And what? Yeah. Just because? Just because it's just well, it's you're just learning. It's just racing. It's just fun to watch races. I mean, not all the time when the race is boring, of course. And I'll, I'll admit when they're boring, but I, I like to at least give them a chance. So for me, the semis and the LCQ. There's good racing there, but it's not impactful to me. There's no, those you. races don't mean nothing. Yeah, and there's probably a shitload more people who think like you, right? On this subject, than I mean, watching a like Grant me. and a Weimer or a Bogle and a Pike bet. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, but yeah, that's yeah. not impactful. That I, I don't want to see that. Right. I, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. I want to see Roxon more. I want to see Dungey more. I want to see Anders. I want to see these guys square off more. Mm. And watching them square off twice a night is not enough for me. Mm-hmm. So here's here it is. I'm going to give you Follow guys... Follow him on my, Instagram. You want to see more rocks and you can get as much, much rocks as you can handle. <laughs> yeah. Follow him on Instagram. Shirt on, shirt off. All right, I'll stop interrupting. Go All for right. it. So my thought is this. I, I, I love the, the show, but here's how I would make minor improvements to the format of the racing. Um, the first one is... The 450s should be the first thing we see. Think about all the hype all day. Everyone's watching Race Day Live. We're watching all this stuff, right? Everyone's fired up. And then... The show starts, and it's the 250 class. Um, now, obviously, it's a puzzle piece. Everything's got to fit in its place, so that's why they do that, because the format currently is designed to allow guys to have gaps, to you know recover, get their bikes ready, whatever. My format changes all that. 450s need to come right out of the top. Think about it, Joe. All the anticipation all day, we're waiting around. Like For us, we're waiting now a whole week till Anaheim. Well, when the show starts, I want to see the 450 guys. I want to see Roxon, Dungey, Tomac, Anderson right out of opening ceremonies. So for me, we started off with two 450 heat races, okay? And here's the big change. Semis, gone. They took them away a long time ago. They brought them back. They need to go again. Audio semis. I don't want to see Weimer and Grant battle. It's just, like I said, the gap needs, there needs to be more in that gap, and I'm going to replace it with something better. So we do the two 450 heat races. Top four of them, or I'm sorry, top nine go to the main event, and they're in. Now, we back it up with the 250 heat races right behind it. So now we got two 450 heats, two, two 250 heats, one, two, three, four. Those are your first four races of the night. Then here's the cool thing. Do a little intermission, and then that race. Remember we talked last week in the listener questions, we had the Motohead write in and say how they need to have that little, that little mini final that, with the top four out of each heat. That's next. It's the 450 half final. And what it is, it's a five-lap race. You take the top four out of each heat. So now in the 450 class, the top nine are going to the main but if you get in that top four, you get to race in the half final. There's eight guys on the gate, five-lap race, and the top five get points. Five for first, four for second, three for third, two for fourth, one for fifth. Extra points that go towards that night's racing and towards your championship points. So that makes that heat race so much more impactful. you got to get in that top four. Because if you don't, you're not racing the semifinal. Then the semifinal is more impactful because now, instead of an hour and a half gap in the middle, we get to see Roxon. Dungey, Tomac, and Anderson all line up for a five-lap sprint. Can you imagine the energy and intensity that would be behind that race, especially when points are on the line? Instead of waiting an hour and a half and watching semis and 50 racing and LCQs, we get to see another one of those guys, another one of those races, but an even more impactful one. So now you do the half final, you follow it up with the 450 LCQ. The guys that didn't make it, they go to the line for the LCQ, and then you do the 250 LCQ. So that's the middle of segment two, right? That's that's the the middle portion of the race. Or of the night. Then there's another intermission. And now here's where it gets fun. Next race, 450 main event number one. Okay? There's going to be two main events like they do in Arena Cross. 450 main event one. So now you get to see Roxon, Dungey, Tomac, Anderson, Muskin all again for a third time. Remember? Right now we only see him twice. Now we're already seeing him three times and the, night even, the night's not even over. 
Then it's a tw- it's a twelve lap main event. Then it's a two fifty main event, twelve laps. Then four fifty main event two. And the four fifties the main events are pretty back to back. They go and do the one. Then the two fifty race is in between them, and they go right back to the gate for a second one. So we're pretty much splitting the main into two. So now with that format, you're getting to see the top guys in a heat race, separate heat races. Roxon in heat one, Dungeon heat two, whatever. It's okay. Then you get to see the half final. They get to go at it for five laps. Then you get to see main event one. They go at it for twelve laps. Then you see them in heat main event number two. Sorry, you see them for twelve laps. You are seeing the baddest dudes in the sport four times in a night instead of two. I'm replacing the two semis with a semifinal or a semi-half final and another main event. To me, that is so much more impactful because you're getting to see the stars more. Think about it if you went to a basketball game or a football game and you only got to see the star players half the time. It wouldn't be as fun, right? right. You want to see the stars. You want to see the, the top guys in the sport more. That's how you do it. And here's the thing. With these shorter main events, now guys like Tomac, Anderson, Moose, well, Anderson maybe not because of his starts are just, I mean, this, this screws him because the main events are shorter. And I mean, with his starts, this is, this is rough for him. But what it does, it creates more, uh, I guess, a bigger field of guys that can win a race. Because last night, what was it? I mean, how big was the lead by the end? Dungey and, and Roxon, they, it was over. By the, by the halfway point, it was, they were gone. There, the battle was before, for the front and the back. There was, there was no battle for the lead other than the two. So with this format, you're seeing way more impactful racing where more guys have a shot at it. Marvin Muscan's going to get a good start, and he's going to win that half final. Tomac's going to win the half final. Justin Bogle is going to get pull a start one week and a couple little stuffs happen here and there and Bogle is going to win the half final. There's going to be more guys that can win, more impactful racing, more aggressive racing because now you don't have all race to figure it out. You better make moves. You better make it quick because the races are over quicker. So that's kind of my thought on how I would, I guess, improve the format. Now, I will tell you this. The guys at Feld, I know, are working on things. We've heard about the chase format maybe being something that they're exploring from what I understand, there's five or six different kind of ideas on the table of things that they might do in the future because the system is, it's not broken, but it's kind of flatlined. You know, last night reminded me of races we've seen for 15 years. It was the top two guys get out front, they battle a little bit, nothing really happens, it gets a little exciting on the last lap, and then it's over. It was good, but I think a little format change could make it great. Um, Greg's going to come on. We're going to talk 450. We're going to talk 250. I'll bring this up to him and see what he thinks about the format change. Um, but overall, as, talking about San Diego itself, Joe, we spoke last week about the rocks and dominance um, and, and what I didn't want to see over the next decade or half a decade, a guy that just owned it. And I got to tell you, I am thrilled right now that Ryan Dungey was able to step up like he did this week. And to be honest with you, leaving San Diego, I'm actually I'm not – taking away what I feel about Roxon, but I'm more optimistic that Ryan Dungey is willing to hang it out because I'd heard preseason that that injury he had last summer shook him up a little bit. That he was, you know, towards the later stage of his career, didn't want to get hurt, and it, it shook him up. It scared him a little bit. And that led me to believe that he was going to be a little bit more conservative in 2017. He was going to take what he could get and not really fight too hard. But last night, once Roxon made the pass, Ryan Dungey fought back. Now, he didn't come back in and make the pass back, but what I saw was a guy for about 12 minutes who decided, I'm not going to let you pull away. I'm going to step it up. I'm going to shadow you. I'm going to actually catch you, and I'm going to send a message back that this ain't going to be so easy for you, dude. And he did. So for me, moving forward, I am like way more optimistic that we got something here. Because Ryan Dungey obviously has his starts on lock. He came out with the whole shot, made it happen. 
And in the main event, he fought the entire time, all the way to the very last lap. And I didn't expect that. Once Roxon made the pass, I thought he was going to pull away and it was going to be just another Anaheim one. He was going to check out and we were going to be sitting here today talking about how this is already over. Well, luckily, I think we found the guy who's willing to fight. And it's the guy who I've been underestimating a little bit, straight up. Based on what I've seen over the summer, based on the injury, based on everything that I know about the human psyche towards the end of your career when you're trying to kind of, you know, ride it out smoothly, I painted Ryan Dungey as a guy who was just going to, you know, fade off into the sunset, do his best, but he wasn't going to take chances. But I'm leaning towards thinking the other way. I think he really does want to fight him. I think he is maybe a little bit bitter towards the the rocks and arrogance that we've spoken about over the last six months. And I think Ryan Dungey is ready to go head-to-head. Now, do I think he's as good? No, we saw that last night. We saw two riders who were virtually identical, but one of them had an edge. And it was the one who won because he started behind. He got into second. It was a chess match, right, Joe? You were, you were telling me this morning. It was like watching two, two old dudes in the park, right, playing chess. That's what it was. It was these two guys figuring each other out. Roxon figured Dungey out, made the pass, got in front, and never cracked. The old Ken Roxon would have cracked. Made a mistake, done something stupid, washed out, whatever. This new Ken Roxon that we talked about a week ago gets it done. Remember the no weakness thing? Well, last night there was no weakness, even on a track where I think Dungey was a little better. Roxon was better in the whoops. Dungey was better everywhere else. But Roxon won. He passed and won. So to me, he still is the best guy. But this ain't going to go so easy for him. Because leaving San Diego, I saw two guys separate mindsets. One of them was a little rattled and one of them is a little bit more confident today. Ryan Dungey was probably a little afraid that this Ken Roxon thing was going to be you know, uh, unobtainable or not unobtainable, but um, unbeatable. he was going to be unbeatable. But no, he leaves San Diego going, oh, okay. All right, you beat me, but I'm right here. And I think Ryan Dungey's going to take that and that's going to build confidence this week. Where Roxon I think his whole program was built on dominating. He didn't want to go and battle. Now, he wanted to win by 20 seconds. And I think leaving San Diego, he's going to be going, wow, okay, we got it. I, I, need more, I need to do some more work because Ryan Dungey shadowed me the entire race and, in fact, was better than me on 90% of the track. If it wasn't for that whoop section, to tell you the truth, I think Dungey would have beat him last night. That was the difference. That was the difference in the entire race was one straightaway where Dungey's shock looked like it was swapping all over the place and Ken Roxon's bike looked perfect. That was the difference. Now, in the 250 class, I think we're set up for, I don't know, maybe one of the coolest 250 championships ever because there's legitimately four guys right now who you can make the argument are in this thing to win it. You got Martin Davos, the old dog. Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Martin. Happy 40th birthday today. Congratulations. Um, I know it's 30th, but whatever. Martin gets starts. He's going to always get starts. He's going to be up there every single week while Plessinger and Hill and J-Mart and McElrath, while these guys are a little inconsistent on their starts, Martin's going to be up front every race. That gives him, that gives him a, a, an advantage in one way. McElrath is showing the aggression. We saw it with Forkner. He was not playing around. He moved him out of the way. He moved Davos out of the way. We have a new McElrath on our hands. He's got an advantage. Hill and Plessinger showed the raw speed. Both of them came from way back, and they were the two fastest guys of the night. So those four... Who are you going to give the nod to? We're two rounds into this thing. This is 250 class. Things can change so fast, but those four are standing out as the guys that are really in this to win it. J-Mart, maybe. Too bad he got Hansened on the start. Josh Hansen jumps the gate. J-Mart follows him into the gate, screws his night over. 
And then you got Austin Forkner, who might be the sickest dude out there, but he just can't get through the whoops. And we'll get into that with Greg a little bit, because I know Greg knows him well. well. We'll get his insight on that. But the 250 class is going to be good. Going into Anaheim, I am so excited to see which one of these four guys, maybe five or six, are going to step up. Because each one of them is probably going into the next race thinking, hey, I can win this thing. Because they all have their reasons why they should and why they could. So that's why Anaheim is going to be so exciting. The Rocks and Dungy rivalry is forming. I'll admit I was a little off on Tomac. I thought Tomac would be the guy to challenge. And that's, we're, that's proving itself out very early that he is not the guy. It is Ryan Dungy. It's the guy with three Supercross championships, two back-to-back. That's the guy who's going to challenge Ken Roxon. I don't know if he's going to get physical with him. I saw a couple opportunities last night where he could have, but he didn't. But right there, those are the two. That's, that's what I'm looking at going into Anaheim. But I'm super anxious to talk to Greg Albertson and break this thing down for you. We're going to dissect both classes, but let's get the boy on the phone. Joe, let's take our first commercial break. We'll come back with Greg. There's no debate, no choice. When it comes to air filters, it's no toil. Head over to notoil.com to learn about the highest quality and most convenient filters on the market. Or if you're on motorsport.com, throw a no-toil kit in your shopping cart. And if you're looking for the most cost-effective way to make power in that slow bike of yours, then visit williamsmotorworks.net. Their camwork and ECU mods will add more power than aftermarket exhaust or race gas and is guaranteed to give you the hole shots that you crave. No more last place starts if you contact Williams Motorworks. If you support Main Event Moto, then support No Toil and WilliamsMotorworks.net. Main Event Moto Podcast. Joe, I am so stoked right now. I'm fired up. I'm pumped. Why? Because this week we are debuting the new Main Event Moto logo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our boy Jake the Snake has been at work. He's been he's been at the drawing board. Yeah. Trial and error, figuring out how can we rebrand this show with a new logo. Yeah. And he did it. This week, guys, we are going to drop the new logo on Instagram. For those of you out here who do not follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you can do that. Just search Main Event Moto. But this week, we'll be dropping the new logo. Stoked about that. And we need your help. Right, Joe? We need the help of the Motoheads. Yes, we do. You guys have been with us for, I mean, nine months now since the beginning. When we drop this logo, repost it. Let the world know that you listen to Main Event Moto. And um, we really appreciate the support you guys have given us in the past nine months, helping us grow this thing. And we're excited for future growth and excited to get rid of the Fat Endo Donald Trump logo <laughs> that everyone uh, seems to talk about. Uh, it was good. It was good for us. It was a great start. Yeah. Um, but it's time to uh, to to modernize the logo and modernize the look. And Jake the Snake <laughs> nailed it. We're looking good. Indeed. Uh, let's get our boy Greg Albertson on the phone. I'm anxious to talk. We 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 spoke via text last night uh, throughout most of the entire night. Huh. Um, but now I want to talk to him mouth to mouth. Ooh. Ooh. And find out. That's, stop it. It's not right. <laughs> that get, no. What's is that doing something for yeah, you, Joe? It's something shouldn't. Okay, yeah. let's get Greg on the line. Let's talk San Diego. What's up, Greg? Greg, last night, dude, we were texting, uh, watching the races together, but not together. And Okay, let's get this straight. What percentage of the texts were actually about the racing going on? <laughs> but we talked racing, right? We, 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 uh... Yeah, loosely, I would, I would say. I would say. Save it for here, I guess. Yeah, so what do you think, though? I mean, last night, let's start with the 450s. Dungey gets a whole shot, and I'm stoked because, I mean, it means something's going to go down because Roxon gets into second, 
And there they are, the one and two. And I mean, what did you think was going to happen? At that point, my first thought was Roxanne's going to get him, check out, and it's going to be Anaheim one all over again. Obviously, that's not what happened. But what, where were you at? You know, lap one, lap two of that main event. I thought Dungey looked great. So when he took off like that and Roxanne passed him, I'm I'm like going, okay, get him back. You know, I was thinking, you know, run in on him, hit him, make some contact, scare him. But typical Dungey, he just. Uh, stuck to his game plan and he was fast enough to hold that pace. Um, we just didn't see him make any, uh, aggressive moves. And, and I don't know. And I think I, there I was some wanting, wanting it, yeah. but I don't know why I was expecting it. You know what I mean? It's the same, it's the same guy, but the fact that he was able to stay there and run that pace for, for 24 laps. Um, and I think the intensity from Roxon, you know, fades after about lap 15. So I think Dungey will be all right. As long as he's that fast, you know, he could, he can maybe make a move if Ken makes a mistake, but he's going to have to. He, he's he's showing that he's going to. He's the same guy. He's just going to wait for a mistake. But that might not work anymore. The, this new Roxon. I mean, I think we're dealing with someone who's a little better than he used to be. Someone that's not going to throw it away anymore. So maybe that tactic might not work. I mean, it it was good. I, I liked what I saw at a Dungey too. He was. I mean, to be, without the whoop section, I think he might have been better everywhere else. He looks solid, but I just don't know if that game plan is going to work anymore. And, and Dungey is not aggressive. I mean, is it? How, how many weeks are we going to go before Dungey realizes that um, that might be the way it has to be? Because Roxon just doesn't throw it away anymore. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, he he did make up sixteen. I mean, he got beat by sixteen seconds last weekend, and he probably gave up ten of those, you know, seconds once he got into uh, second place. So, and he really didn't give up much time. So, I think it's a He's got to feel good about it. Um, but, yeah, like you said with Roxon, I don't know what you're going to see as far as – I don't think you're just going to see him fade. I don't think you're going to see many mistakes. Um, so that I don't know if that game plan is going to work, but I guess the good news we can all take is that Dungey was at least able to match his speed for the main event, and it made it, it, made it fun to watch this weekend. Now, other than the whoops, did, did Dungey look better to you as well? For me, Roxon had him in the whoops. I mean, it was noticeably different. Uh, but the rest of the track, I felt like Roxon was a little sloppy, uh, a little erratic, um, maybe ride, overriding the bike a little bit, where Dungey looked mellow, efficient, calm. I, I mean, pretty much the, the Dungey of 2016. And obviously, Roxon's better now, so that's going to... I mean, this looked like the end of 2016, but a little roll reverse. Remember how at the end of last year, these two started getting into it? and, it was, and They're not getting into it, but this, this little thing was forming... That's what last night looked like again. Now, it was roll reverse because Roxon was the one out front, and Dungey was the one sitting behind him and almost looked better, but nothing happened. He sat there strategically. Maybe that's okay. He's just He might be in Ken's head a little bit now because I think Ken's been operating on this ultra confidence, and maybe this week he's thinking, man, Dungey just sat there, and that's that could be a little scary. I mean, like I said, I think that uh, that – the Dungeons look good, and Roxon, I don't think he's going to be too nervous. It's just like the dude's in such good shape, too. Both of them are. I mean, if you see Kenny, he just looks strong. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I just hope, uh, and I hope we can see those guys race each other a little bit more aggressive. Um, I think Dungey was really, I think he was better about just being smooth and staying like low in the turns. Yep. I don't think he necessarily looked really fast, but he was able to hit all the ruts low in the turns, and, uh, I think he just he he raced a shorter track than Roxon, and I think that's kind of why he was able to stay as close as he did. I also think that if you're talking aggression, Dungey is kind of the guy who doesn't play that way, and Ken kind of does. If you remember on the very first lap, or maybe it was the second, no, it was the first lap. Roxon threw it in before the triple, and I mean, they didn't make 
contact all the way, but there was a definitely like a, a close, like um, a close connection right there. I don't think Roxon's afraid to get physical if he has to. He showed it right off the top. He was going to be aggressive right out of the gate, and then of course made the pass, the stuff pass. Do you think? I mean, psychologically, if you're Dungey and you got a guy that you're borderline even with, but he's just being a little bit more physical. When do you go off script? Dungey likes to stay on program and, and stick to his game plan, but when do you go off script and go, you know what? I'm going to play that game with you. Because right now, at least on the aggressive front, Roxon is, I mean, he's the one not afraid to play that game. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to see it. I think he's just going to stick to what, what works, you know. And just count he's on gonna, a mistake. He's going to he's gonna wait yeah. for a mistake. Uh, I don't necessarily, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to maybe have to wait for a mistake. It, it, it almost came um, last night. I mean, there at the last lap, he, he was in a position, um, there was that, I feel like Dirtworks did a super good job with the track as far yeah. as making passing turns, like really opening up the turns. There was a right-hander that was a 90 that was good for cutting people off. Then yep. that triple into the single, into that next turn, that was all good places to pass. And I feel like Dungey really thought, hey, if I could stay close, you know, square up that single and run it in, you know, get a wide angle through the mechanics area. I think that's what his plan was. And it just, uh, he made a small mistake trying to stay close that last lap. So I don't, I think he could have made the pass without a mistake, and I think that's what his plan was. He just didn't get there. So, but I mean, I really do think like the racing was awesome. The track looked, uh, the rhythms it was it was technical enough, but it, it kept the racing close enough um, and allowed for good passing. So, I mean, that was one of the better tracks I've seen in a long time. I think so too, and it's a combination of a few things. If you if you look back through history, you'll find when tracks are good, like some characteristics that they have. This track had a little mm-hmm. bit of a soil issue. It was slippery, but also a little ruddy, which caused mistakes. I mean, think about it. when you're kind of having to play the game between sliding out and sticking your ruts, you're going to make mistakes. All the berms had three to four ruts that were coming down. Guys were having to cut tighter and tighter. It kind of had an East Coast feel, but it also was slippery, and guys were losing traction, and the track broke down. I do think that was one of the better tracks, and I think that contributed. But even the the, the technicality, the rhythms, and the busyness, and it seems like every corner was set up to where you could make a move. I mean, the 250 class there was such good racing. The the Anderson-Tomac battle in that first heat, that track was designed to race. It had open berms. Ah, I hope that they take some notes on what they did, because if they can do that every week, this is going to give us a better chance for good racing, because there's going to be tracks where it just doesn't happen. And man, if they could just take those notes and go, this, this, and this worked, and do it every week, it, it's going to give us more opportunity to see racing like, like last night, where I was standing up and, and jumping out of my couch a few times. That's what I want to see, and I think they nailed it. Yeah, they did a good job, for sure. And then, like, you, you mentioned that Anderson heat. I mean, that was amazing to me. I feel like if the track's more like that, Anderson would have been definitely on the podium in the main event. I, I, I was watching Anderson, and he just blew me away how early he was getting on the gas. Like, I mean, and how low he was standing in the turns, and I think that's his strong suit, and that kind of went away um, once the turns got rutted. I don't think he was able to do that. But he had, I mean, to, yeah, he had to tighten it up a little bit, right? He had to get a little bit more. Yeah, I was efficient. watching that heat race by myself, and I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think at one point, I'm, I'm yelling out, you know, to myself in my living room, "Holy shit!" Like I hadn't seen somebody ride like that. Um, I mean, with that intensity and hit turns that fast since Villapoto. Pretty much. Someone that was getting on the gas that early and just not afraid to throw it down and trusting their rear end, and, and he was doing that. But let's talk about him a little bit. I want to see him get up there and party with those guys, too, because he's not afraid to get aggressive. We saw him get aggressive with Millsaps. 
not afraid to get aggressive with Tomac. He's that guy. But man, he just can't get out of the gate. And, and one of my suggestions moving forward is don't start next to Dungey or Roxon. Like I, I, I'm always baffled by these guys that get bad starts that want to go and start right next to the guys who get the good starts. You get shut off. He started next to Dungey and was shut off 15 feet out of the gate, and it was done. His night was done, and now he's playing catch-up. And here we are on the podcast talking about how great he looked and how, how great it could have been. But when you're coming from that far behind, it's never going to happen. So I... I mean, what does he got to do, Greg? He's he's got to do something because he's he's working way too hard. He's too fast. He's too talented to be getting fourths and fifths and coming from the back every week. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good point about the starts. Maybe looking for a gate that uh, not maybe not has the best angle, but just a better uh, exit. Uh, a lot of times, the factory bikes. Let's face it. So you got a factory bike that's got sixty sixty five horsepower and. They they dig bigger chunks coming out of the gate. So when you get a good gate pick like that, like the the favorable gates as far as um, position, sometimes have the biggest holes coming out. Right. So if you go if you always look at like what Michael Essie did, he'd go one or two outside the box or maybe always. somewhere where those guys weren't starting. Well, the, the exit's so much better, and um, maybe he needs to just focus on making sure he's got a good exit, so he's not getting shut down um, going into the first turn, so he can come out in that top five. Because like you said, nobody's. Not in this class. Nobody is going to um, make any moves from from outside the top five, and if if they're not inside that top five and the, the starts, it's done. I well, don't think, uh, especially for with the him. exception of Roxon. With, yeah, with the exception of Roxon and Dungey, I don't think you're landing on the podium outside. You know, starting outside the top five or six. And that's that's the problem. That the depth of this class, especially there at the top, Seeley, Muskin, um, Tomac, Anderson. Those guys are gonna. Their success is gonna come from when they can get the good start. Look at Marvin Muskin. His success last night came from that good start, even though he almost looped it, which, by the way, maybe the best thing I saw all last night was him save that. I, I've, I've looped out off of jumps before like that, and it's game over. For him to be able to do that, save it, cross, land off, and then go across Lake San Diego to get back on the track, that was maybe the most impressive thing I saw all night, probably better than his third place. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he landed, like, it was sketchy, like... He was going to loop out, landed. As soon as he landed, he saw he was going to, he spotted a landing, found a place. I mean, it's like he, he, as soon as he landed and got his eyes straight, he planned that whole route. Like, that was amazing. Right. Like, he, he did it with confidence. He jumped off the track over the tough block like he knew what he was doing, got on the track in the right spot, didn't lose his position. Yeah, that was, that was impressive. That was, that's just being calm and collected, not losing your head. And crafty, you know how he is. He's always he's kind of that technical guy. So when those kind of situations present themselves, he doesn't implode. And overall, great night for him again. I mean, think about it: two weeks in a row, podium, no problem. I mean, it's like you said. I, I still think Anderson might be a little bit better than him if they had to go head to head. But when one guy starts in tenth and the other one starts in third, it's it's just not going to happen. And, and that's that's the problem with Anderson. And I want to see it because I think if Anderson comes around in the lead. And Dungey and Roxon have to go through him. There's fireworks because he doesn't play that game. I mean, we had him on the podcast. He said every position is a big chunk of change different, and he looks at it that way. And he looks at each position as personal. And I just I want to oh, yeah, see he, him he up there. He, he wasn't f-ing around with uh, Eli at all. No, I mean, no, straight to the point. He saw it and it was like, okay, I don't care if I'm. I mean, he came to dead stop to stop Eli and then seat bounce that triple and. I mean, I guess I guess I forget how fast those bikes are, but you know he, he oh, just I, pulled the trigger I, yeah. when he was there. I didn't think he was going to even make that triple, and he made it no problem. Like you said, these things are putting out so much power, and they got good traction. But I, I remember that 
And him doing that trip, I mean, it's kind of what saved his heat race because if not, he would have lost a bunch of ground. Eli might have had the space he needed because Eli was never operating in space in that heat race. He had pressure almost at every single corner. He never even got to get in the rhythm because Anderson was making every corner difficult. But So if Eli would have been able to make that little gap, he might have been able to get into a comfort zone and might have won in the heat. But Anderson seat bounces a triple, makes it, ultimately makes the pass and makes a win. That leads me to Eli Tomac. I'm confused, baffled, yet understanding. Um, I, I don't think that that bike's a good Supercross bike. I, I, I don't think... And going into the season, I had heard that he had made changes and everything was better. They started over and it was all good. And they were coming in Anaheim 1, like, ready. Like, they're going to win. And the problem is, Greg, he just looks like he's fighting nonstop. He has to work so hard to do the same job. And it just doesn't last throughout the race. And I I mean, am I off on that? What is is it even fixable? What do you do? I mean, I feel like he's just on a bike that's just not designed to race in that environment. And he's going to have fight all year for fifth. And that's that's sad to me. I, I'm I'm not gonna put him on the bike. I just think it's it's him and how he rides. I don't think he's a, a very uh, he doesn't ride with much much finesse. Not a real technical um, guy. He's more of a guy that just wills his way and you know just gets it gets it done by trying harder than everybody else. And, and Supercross isn't like that. And um, I, I don't know if there is a fix for it. I think him getting tired or tight or whatever you want to call it. I mean, in my mind, I don't like the word tight. Like, yeah, you got tight, but you got tight tired tight whatever he uh he just tries so hard and i think he's just not you know ready to go that speed comfortably and i think that's why he's getting tight and i think that's why he's in that where he's in and up um i, I don't know how you fix it I, I wouldn't blame the bike though i don't i don't think the bike's an issue so you don't think the bike maybe contributes to that lack of stock because on the honda i just felt like he he could get away with being him a little bit more and on this bike he's not it's it's the same feeling I have with Cooper Webb. It's just a fit thing. I'm not saying the Cowie's bad. We saw Ryan Villapoto just dominate everyone, but I felt the fit was a match. That bike fit what he did, the way he rode. And Eli, I, you don't contribute the the fit between the two as, as contributing at all. No, I, not, I don't think so. I mean, the the, mo- the races that uh, Eli won on the Honda, um, they were more outdoors. Stuff. You know, they were real rutted tracks and. Uh, he he won those and and if you look right now like Sealy got fifth, Tomac got sixth. I, I think the same year that Eli won won a race or two on the Honda, it was Indy and Daytona. Um, Sealy also won races that year too. So I think he's just he's staying on that level. I just think those other three guys, you got Anderson, Muskin, Dungey, you've got um, Alden's guys, which have obviously elevated, and then Ken, which is arguably the most you know talented slash strongest fit racer out there um i just think that he's kind of maybe hasn't made a as big an improvement as these other guys have over the years and i think you might be right on that i've i've said it before i think he rides with a too stiff of a technique he rides too muscular that obviously will work on some tracks daytona i mean he'll probably win daytona uh and then the outdoor tracks he'll be great at southwick those places where he can be really physical but yeah, he his technique, his efficiency just seems to be off and it's it's showing. It's it's showing itself. That that race with Anderson, I saw one guy, they they both were putting out full effort, but one guy was putting out so much strength effort and Anderson was like throwing it around more. He was like he could he could carve. He like you said, his corner speed, he was doing things. Both guys were trying as hard as they could, but one of them looked like, oh wow, that works, and the other one doesn't. And it might it might just be a technique thing, but how do you fix that at this age, at this point in his career? Do you 
You go back to the drawing board. I mean, what what do you do for him? Because he wants to win. Cowie's paying him to win. He's he's got to be frustrated. I, I, right now, of all the top guys, I mean, Anderson's probably upset. Yeah, he's gotten bad starts, whatever. But Tomac's probably right now the most upset, the most confused, the most, I guess, just blindsided by lack of success. And I mean, what do you do? Do you just try to muscle through it? I mean, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I think he's got to try less. <laughs> it's like uh, you've seen Sarah Marshall. They're trying to teach the guy how to surf. He's like, no, man, you just got to try less. You just got to try less. Wait, that's not, no, not nothing. That's that's he, not enough. He, he just got to. He just he just got to like uh, not freak out. You know, I don't think he needs to be scratching his head or freaking out. Just keep putting in his laps and trying to get comfortable on his on his motorcycle and and maybe tossing the bike around. You know, throwing. I, I, I don't think he's really got anything to worry about. I think he just needs to play calm and, and try to get. Uh, and just maybe try a little less and let let the race come to him. Let that speed, that speed that he's trying to go in the beginning, the first six laps, maybe more of a dungy approach, and let himself ease into a, a faster pace so he can build. Because I think right now he's going out there and just trying to trying too hard in the beginning, um, where he's not comfortable. Instead of letting the race kind of come to him and and build. That's that's my opinion. I, I agree with that. Now before we move on to the 250 class, we'll take a commercial break and we'll come back with the 250s. But before we do. If you're well, what do you think about like I want to want to touch what happened to Reed? Oh, I I don't know. The San Diego Magic ran out. He ran out of unicorn yeah, that's dust. That's it, huh? It's done. I you know what it is with Reed? He's awesome, dude. He is he's great, but these guys are at a pace now and they're riding at a level that is just it's a new generation. It's it's plain and simple. It's a new generation. It's like the NFL, the game changes. And Chad is bad. I mean, he's 35 years old next month. He is a legend. He's badass. But these guys are just doing stuff now that is not in his era. And it's and it's hard to learn those things. You, you know the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Well, you can't in some situations. And this is one of them. I don't, I don't think he has the, I wouldn't say physical ability, but the mindset of riding this new generation style. These guys ride 450s like 250s. They all do. They're riding these bikes like they're pit bikes. And Reed doesn't ride that way. And unless the track is super technical and super challenging with ginormous whoops, it's not really going to work for his style. He's 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 old school a little bit. I mean, am I wrong on that? No, I, I don't think so. But I still think he, he at San Diego could be with a good start, you know, uh, a fourth, fifth guy. And he was, he was ninth. You know, I just... I don't know. I see it. Those whoops were pretty big. He looked good. I thought in his heat race through the whoops. And I just thought it was, I really thought he could have just been up there in the top five. I don't know. I'm not counting him out for top five. I think he's me neither. I I, I think he could really, I I don't want to say lucky. He's not lucky into anything, but I think with a whole shot, he could, he could end up on the podium for the seasons over. So I'm not ready to write him off. I just thought it was kind of peculiar that, that the, San Diego's magic was kind of gone for him. I just, I really thought he was going to get up there at least top five this round. Well, what's funny is the San Diego magic thing is, it's just that. It's magic. It's not real. I mean, I, what was funny too is that all day, you know, on race day live and on even on the, the broadcast with Ralph and Jeff, they kept talking, Reed, like, oh, San Diego, Reed. At the end of the day, though, that was a new track that no one has ever ridden before. It doesn't matter which stadium it was in. You know, I, I get caught up in that too. I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll tell you the truth. In my fantasy league, I picked Reed because of the San Diego Magic, and then at the end of the day, I realized that it, that doesn't matter when 
that front pack is going at a different pace than he is. And like you said, it's I, I, I don't think he would luck into it either. I think he could earn it. But you got to remember with him, he rides at his best when he kind of feels like it, when he's feeling it, when he's truly – yeah. He operates off of confidence, and when he's confident, he's scary, and when he's not, he's not. And that's the problem is I, I, I think last week things didn't go maybe as well as he wanted, and now he's in a different place where the confidence is a little shook, and when that's the case, he's not really himself. Yeah, I guess San Diego was earlier this year. He wasn't able to kind of get in the groove, but you know, you say it's a different track every year. Obviously, it's a different track, but I'd say traditionally, like San Diego is, is more technical which it showed, and they do build bigger whoops. Why those, is that? Why? Those, why? Why? Is that in the diagram? Hey, we're in San Diego. Let's know, build bigger maybe, whoops. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's with the dirt they're dealing with. or I, I don't know, but San Diego always seems to be one of the coolest tracks. And, um, that's usually, maybe that's why Reed always does good. It just kind of failed this weekend. Well, and that probably had to do the start, yeah. too. He didn't have a good start. And obviously, if you're not up there in this class... Your your night's a little over, so it's. I mean, that could have contributed. You never know. His heat race, he did look good. So if he was able to get up front, top three. If 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 it was him instead of Marvin, Reed probably gets third, right? I mean, straight up, I I, w- I would think so. He's not going to run the pace of the top two, but if yeah, he gets if he a third shot, place if start, he hole shots. Yeah, I think it would be hole shots. Uh, maybe not, because then he can kind of get that breakaway. I don't think he's going to be faster than those guys, but I think he can find his way into that pace and and pull a lead to where when. Um, Roxon and Gungie take off. He could kind of be in no man's land there in third and, and maintain it. Like I said, before we move to the two fifties, I got a question for you. Let's let's go a little psychological. How are you feeling right now if you're Ken Roxon? You're you operate on confidence. You operate on domination. It's what he's been doing. That's all he's been doing for a long time. He had Ryan Dungey. He's gonna watch the film. He's gonna go back and watch the race, and he's gonna watch Ryan Dungey look better than him everywhere on the track, except for the whoops, and he's gonna watch Dungey just shadow him. Does that rattle him at all? Does he go? Does he go? Eh, whatever, no biggie. I got you. Or does he go? Oh, you're a little bit closer than maybe I wanted you to be. Does that does that affect him at all? I don't think so. I mean, he won. He's two for two. He's the daddy right now. I mean, he's he he's doing whatever he wants out there. I think he's just gonna keep. I, I don't think any. I don't think a lot of these guys. He keeps saying, you know, is this gonna affect him mentally or that? I, I really think these top guys are so solid um the guys that are working with alden of course mentally are going to be solid because i think that's his biggest uh, attribute to these guys is just the mental game and then ken Roxton is just on another level so i don't think if you look at those top four i don't think any of those guys are going to really worry uh, on a week-to-week basis they're just going to keep putting in the work and let it come and does that come with just their discipline pro, uh, disciplined program? Because a guy like Tomac, I can't imagine he's not mentally feeling it a little bit. Or Anderson, he's probably a, in a very understanding of his situation. You get bad starts, that's what happens to you. But do you think overall, Rocks and Dungy, they're, they're mentally both st- still as they were going into Anaheim 1. There's been no adjustment, no changes, no worries. Because I just feel like the human effect, man, like... No matter how disciplined you are, you still know things, you know? You know when... A situation is what it is. And if you're Roxon, you know that Dungey was really good last night. He was really good. And if you're Dungey, you know that Ken mm-hmm. Roxon now has got you twice. He beats you once from in front of you. He beats you once from behind you. I mean, when does that start creeping up? I, I understand the discipline, but there's got to be some, you know, it, it, we're human. We all notice things. And that's why I'm wondering which one of these two is gonna is going to either flip the switch or mentally make the first laps because that's what it looks like to me it, it looks like a, a mental battle both of them are very close physically I think Ken's a little bit better 
but mentally they both seem about the same, but one of them's going to have to crack eventually. When, when, when is that point when they both go off script? I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a point like that. Cause I think if you look at maybe like for Tomac, but if you look at like racers in general, like you'll talk to, I talk to guys that are at the practice track and they all think they're faster than they are. So I think at a race like that, I think Dungey comes away going, I had his number. You know, if I wouldn't have made that mistake, I had him covered. And Ken's going, I passed that guy. I just rode around. I wasn't even given, you know, I, I have more. I think as athletes and they, you, you know, you, everything kind of revolves around them. So they, they get this sense of, you know, com, you know, confidence. And sometimes it's false, but you can turn it into something real. So I think each, each one of those guys, Ken and Dungey, I think feel really good about the weekend. Well, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We'll talk 250s, and then we'll do uppers and downers. Greg, stay on the line. Don't go anywhere, okay? I'm holding tight. All right. We'll be right back. The next time you're on motosport.com, do yourself a favor and grab some Mika Metal. They got bars, chains, and sprocket kits, and without question, they are the choice for us at Main Event Moto and Moto Heads Everywhere. Visit MikaMetals.com and load up. And if you're in NorCal, you better take your bike to Hasker Racing. If you need motor mods, rebuilds, or anything done to your bike, hit up Jim, especially quads and peewees. Ain't that right, Jimbo? Laughing, crying face emoji. Laughing, crying face emoji. If you support Main Event Moto, support Mika Metals and Hasker Racing. Main Event Moto Podcast. And we are back, and I want to give a huge shout-out to Joe. What's his name? Elliot Richardson. What's up, son? Elliot, he got it. The No Toil giveaway. Guys, No Toil is so awesome. They give away $100 worth of product every week, and here's how you do it. You go on notoil.com. As soon as you hear this show... You go on notoil.com, you order up $100 worth of product, and then you put in the code word, and it wipes the balance out, and you get it all for free, but it's only one person, so whoever gets the whole shot gets it, and last week it was Elliot Richardson, shot out of the gate like a cannon, and grabbed $100 worth of no-toil products. Yeah. So this week... Like Jeremy Martin flipping over practice. Hey, that was pretty awesome. Greg, did you saw, I'm, I'm assuming you saw the videos of J-Mart? Yeah, he got lucky three times in one crash. How the f*** does that happen? Hey, Amazing. three tough blocks <laughs> saved him. One, two, and three. And then he walks it off like all graceful. He landed. Bro, it was awesome. He was going to be a pancake <laughs> if it wasn't for those tough blocks. Man. Just walk it off. Just brush your shoulders off. Like, no problem. Just step out of it. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, so Good everyone, for, for everyone listening in right now, you're probably wondering, Daniel, what's the, what's the code what the word? What the hell's the code word? What's the password this week? So here's the deal. Notoil.com. Order up some stuff, type in the keyword or the code word, whatever it is. Greg loves bananas. Greg loves I bananas. Do. do you love bananas? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, 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 just, had, I, I had three for breakfast. I even ate two of them. It's a euphemism, <laughs> Greg. It's a euphemism <laughs> yeah. for penis. But, but, but let's be real here. Let's let's kind of like throw this in here. Like, my name is Greg, G-R-E-G-G, two Gs. So oh, no, 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 no. You gotta listen, no, you gotta... no. Okay, but here's the problem. Oh. I already put it into no-toil. It's already in the system, and it's one G, but it's a capital G. So you've got to go capital G-R-E-G, space, loves, space, bananas. So I don't care how your name is okay. really spelled. I'm spelling. It's... I'm, I'm worried. I thought you were talking about me there for a minute, so that makes me feel better. No, you love bananas, <laughs> and you know it. Uh, so that's it, that's that's it, guys. That's uh, that's how you win it this week. Notoil.com, nice. hooking it up. Greg with a capital G, one G, the end. Loves bananas. 
And Elliot Richardson, congrats. Anaheim won. Like You're the big boss. winner. You you dominated more than Ken Roxon did last week. So Greg, Daniel mentioned our fantasy league in the last segment. I don't know. I, I wanted to ask you something about it. It's the one on MotoXRacing.com. Yep. You're in there, and you're doing pretty good. Uh, Daniel, I'm doing really good in the 250 class. Daniel's class, doing okay. So I'm ahead of Hobo, so that's all that really matters. Hobo sucks, man. I but, looked it up this morning. He's in, like, almost last. Greg, there's another dude on there who's doing really well, and his name is the respectful producer Joe is a bitch. <laughs> what? Is, is that you, Greg? Is no, that? no, I'm. Uh, I, I didn't know how to change my team name. I'm Toe Mac and Cheese on one, and I think I'm just my name on the main event. <laughs> Toe Mac and Cheese because it's hilarious. Toe Mac and Cheese. There's a, there's a guy, a producer, Joe's a bitch. I think it's hilarious. But what bums me out is he's doing better than me in the fantasy. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> that, that makes it even better. The name even better. I guess <laughs> if, if you're beating him, then. Kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of name okay, okay, Greg. There's also Hobo Nick is a Vag. Is that you? <laughs> is it really? I didn't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Okay. Here's here's nope. my theory on this. I actually think both of these names are Daniel. No way in hell. I don't have time because, for that. Because Greg, me? because there's no there's no smart ass name for Daniel on here, so it makes me think it's him. <laughs> that's right. No, that's, you yes. know what I was. Uh, I was just, uh, I think it was Michael Lindsay I was talking to. I think he had uh, got on there. And <laughs> yeah, that names. hobo is a vag. That's oh, from Michael boy. Lindsay. Okay. All right. And uh, <laughs> producer Joe's a bitch. That that could be anyone. Man. Not everyone knows it, Joe. Man, who could that be? It's probably Evan. It's probably my son. Oh, my God. <laughs> Since you're being such a puss and won't race It probably him. is. You let him use those foul words. I do. Man. Um, Greg, let's hop into the 250 class, actually. But before we do, I know you, you got mad at me during the commercial break because you want to talk about Cooper Webb a little bit. And here's the deal. I don't want to pile on the guy, Greg. I feel horrible. I'm, I feel horrible for man, him. It, just, it bums me out, too, man. It hurts my heart, man. I, I watch the guy, and he's just he's He looks not like a shell. Rider. It's like a shell of himself. Hey, hey. I, in fact, we got to do this. I want to look at the lap times. Greg, maybe you can do it because I don't have my phone on me. I did it. All right. What so is, guess what? If you look, Jimmy D, and I was, I'm high on Jimmy D, but I'm skipping forward a little bit. He ran a 53.8 lap time. 53.8. Guess what Cooper Webb's best lap time was? 54.5. 55.1. In what world is Cooper Webb... Almost a second and a half slower than Jimmy D. Uh, do you think Cooper could just get on his 250 and race that next weekend? I mean, I mean, he'll yeah. probably still get a better start than Anderson, so it's not like it's that big of a deal. But he doesn't. He, he yeah. looks like a shell of himself. And I, dude, you you listen to the show every week, even the ones you're not on. You know what I've been saying for these last few months, and I feel bad because it's like it's coming true. But I could just see the writing on the wall. I just don't think it's a, it's a fit thing. He's he doesn't operate like that, and that I think he's afraid of that thing. He's afraid of the bike, straight up. You yeah. can tell the way he rides, he's afraid of it. Yeah, I don't know so much of his stuff. I think it's just too much power, man. He can't get on the gas. He had to change his whole riding style. Like I was talking about with Anderson getting on the gas so early. Like that's yeah. how that's how Cooper rides his motorcycle. He gets on the gas early, he turns with the rear wheel, he stays low in the turns. That's what made everybody like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be a good 450 rider because nothing stands out. I don't know. You know, he, there's nothing that makes me go, wow. Well, last year I watched him, and he stayed so low in the turns, and he was able to turn that bike wherever he wanted. He got on the gas early. That's all gone. That That's the magic for me that was Cooper Webb and Supercross, and 
and it's gone. And I think it's too much horsepower. They throw a bunch of, you know, they, they make a, a monster 60, like I said, 60 to 65 horsepower bike. And then they try to slow it down by mapping it, by throwing a heavier flywheel in it. And what you're doing with trying to slow it down with like a flywheel, they're just throwing more weight in the engine. It's more rotating mass. It's, it's actually makes it worse. From it. it actually makes it worse. So, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I think, and, and you know, Oh, you got to get a start. You got, there's nothing that, the, was there anything out there that the 250, uh, that a 450 did that a 250 didn't? No. Uh, no, not at all. So a stock, they're telling me star bikes are getting, I'm, I'm hearing like, you know, I, I don't know what's true, but you know, I've heard 50 horsepower. I've heard 50, more. 51 horsepower. Yeah, 51. You know, a, a stock Yamaha 450 on our dyno is right around the 54 range, um, 53, high 53, 54 on our dyno. So if that's the case, I mean, you're, if you take the weight into consideration, that star bike and a stock 450 wouldn't be, any different than horsepower range. Um, so why, why not just run a stock engine? I I questioned that last week. I, I heard that Wilson had ridden both bikes, Reeds and, and Webb's back-to-back, and was like, what in the world is in Webb's bike? He couldn't even ride it. And that's Wilson. Wilson's a big old boy. You know, and he gets on that and goes, what is in this thing? And I where I, I don't know, where's the guidance coming from? Who's who? How? Why are we talking about this, yet that's not being addressed there? How, how do they even let him get that way. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if Reed, if Reed's yeah. going to have a rideable mellow bike, then why is Cooper, this new 450 kid, who's a little small or whatever, why are they building a top fuel dragster in his? I mean, who over there is going to go, hey, you guys, maybe this isn't a good idea. Cooper, you might not like this, but we're going to start slow and you're going to, we'll go faster when you get more comfortable. Like, why isn't that being done? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think we're kind of naive to assume that maybe it's not happening, but it, I guess it, it it shows that it didn't happen right off the bat, at least. And I'm, I'm sure they're going back to that now. I don't know. It's, it's crazy for me to think, you know, like, I mean, by no means were we a factory team last year, but I, I mean, that's all stuff that we thought about going into the season and, and starting one piece at a time. Uh, I think that's maybe where they need to go back and start with, uh, you know, they, we heard about Barsha kind of going that route with right. the Omaha when he was on it. So maybe they just need to get back to that. Who knows? Um, there's a couple other things I want. I mean, like you said, don't want to beat beat into Webb too bad. But I was just uh, just real quick. I was real impressed with Weston Pike. He looks real comfortable back on that Suzuki in seventh. So way yeah. exceeding expectations, man. Like this I just field wanted to is kind of deep. Give him a shout out. Yeah, a shout out for that seventh. That's that's impressive. I think that he's in one of those situations where. He kind of knows that he kind of, not lucked into, but he was on the edge of not getting a ride this year. He was one of the guys that was maybe not going to get one, and he got one. And I think he knows that this field is deep, Then there's more guys coming, you know, Savage, there's going to be another pack of these guys coming up. For him, this is like a major, majorly important year. Like, he's got to do mm-hmm. good and establish himself as, I am a factory guy, and I will go to whatever team has a spot, and you're not going to choose someone else over me. And he's doing it, man. He he looks great. I mean, like you said, what did he, did he get seventh this week? Seventh. Eight, seven in the deepest field ever. And look at this field. Champions. He's surrounded by all these champion dudes. He ain't got no 250 championship. He ain't no light. He's Weston Pike, dude. The guy who had to do it the weirdest way ever. And he's, other than the top six, which is like a little bit of a freakish pack. They're a little bit standalone. He's better than everyone else. That's, that's I mean, kudos to him. He is killing it. Yep. For sure. So I just wanted to mention that, and I, I'm just kind of blown away and impressed by 
how consistent because last year he there was a lot of in, last two years there's been some inconsistencies with Pike and to start off the year at eight seven and that's it's saying something yeah for sure uh, let's move on to the two fifties Greg I'm stoked man last night was a sign of what I think is going to turn out to be a great West Championship you got. Four guys who stand out a little bit to me right now. J. Martin Forkner, I'm going to keep him out of this little talk because Forkner's got some issues. We'll get into that. J. Mart got screwed by Hanny. Hanny went to, I don't know, wheelie over the gate. Um, and J. Mart bit. He took the bait, jumped right into it, screwed his night over. But Davalos, McElrath, Hill, and Plessinger. Last night, the, the, the fact that those four ended up within like a couple seconds at the end, all for different, I guess, different paths to get there. I mean, is it are those four standing alone in their own way to you? Moving into Anaheim, uh, yeah, I feel like you. I'm not ready to throw Fortner out of the talk at all. There, um, I want to put him in there, but yeah, it, if if I can put Fortner in there um, personally, then yeah, I think those five kind of stand alone. Um, to me, McElrath, he's he's impressive, and I feel like I, I said it with Roxon, but he's he's basically the daddy. He made everybody look silly. Um, he he did it. You both know, we ways. Questioned, we, yep. Yeah, we questioned it. You know, he got a start. Yeah, he got a start. He got away. You know, Plessinger was coming. He came, he passed all the bad dudes, and he went to the front. And I think he wanted it more. I think right now, Shane McElrath wants it more than anything. It looks to me like he wants it more yeah. than anybody else out there. He does, and you can um, tell with the aggression, too. He was not afraid to, you know, Get physical, and when you know when you want it real bad, and you feel like you deserve it, you get more aggressive. You get more efficient because there's a big change from being a guy who thinks you can win to a guy who knows you can win, and that's where he's at. He knows now he can win, and that confidence is scary. It's a huge, mm-hmm. huge jump. And last night he wanted it. Like Forkner was messing with him, and he just like efficiently and powerfully made the pass, moved up, got physical with Davos, made the pass. And yeah, he, and he proved it that he can win from the front, he can win from the back. And I'm surprised. I mean, I did, you didn't have him as one of the contenders going in. I mean, I thought he was a top five guy, but I'm I'm still a little surprised um, just because he, I, I feel bad. I, I He wasn't one of my guys. Yeah, but I agree he wasn't mine going to Anaheim, but I had him to win um, this race. You I did, just, so you you felt yep. that he was going to back it up because I, I I thought Plessinger was going to come out and get it done this week, but obviously he's got the the Jason Anderson effect out of the gate. He just can't get starts. But I had Shane top three, but I didn't have him backing it up like this. Yeah, I did simply from from the fact I heard a couple of interviews. Um, he he just seemed super focused. Uh, he he did an interview where he said he um, I forget who it was with, but uh, he he did say that he deleted all his uh, social media. Um, after the weekend, because he was getting so basically he was getting blown what? so hard, and yeah, he was getting blown so hard, and he didn't want it to go to his head. So wow, he did that. Um, I did see him at uh, Tennessee this year when he almost won that moto. Yeah, um, I feel like something clicked there, and even going back to the crash with uh, with Martin, um, he, he said in that same interview, um, I, I wasn't going to let him beat me. Like I feel like just mentally. He, he was strong, and I feel like he had something to prove going into this weekend. Uh, and he was either gonna he was either gonna do what he did or die trying, and, and he did it. And I think he's kind of established for me. He established his himself as the top guy that got to beat in this series. Did you hear his interview after the race? He said something on the to the line of, 
you know, people are saying I got lucky. Like I, and I do think he's, you, we I always talk about the chip on your shoulder, you know, how guys have that. And I feel like that might've even driven him a little bit because guys are saying, oh, he whole shot. He won. I mean, even me, I, I feel bad, but I, I, I credited his whole shot as being the reason why he won. But I think that is driving him. And like you said, I think he, something clicked with him when you kind of feel like you belong. Now, all of a sudden you, you ride with a, a, a diff, at a different level. And that's what he did last mm-hmm. night. He, I've never seen him look like that. He's always been kind of nice. I've, he's always reminded me yeah. of a dungy kind of guy. Just he rides nice and he does his thing. But no, nah, man, he like Forkner stuffed him and then he stuffed. I mean, them, those two going back and forth in that first lap was, I mean, maybe one of the coolest parts of the whole night. But even his pass on Davalos, he he took it. He didn't just win. Yeah. He took the win. And and I, it's impressive for a guy who is had a lot of bad luck and a lot of bad injuries and has had some things not go his way. He's, he's finding himself right now. Okay. I'm going to steal this one from you, Daniel, but let me break it down for you. Is there anybody you grew up racing um, that was just always like right behind you that you just never let, you know, locally or wherever that just, you weren't going to let them beat you? Not growing up as much, just because. But late, I'll say this: my Los Banos years, I always brag about. There were guys mm-hmm. like that that were always like a click behind me, and I would like freak out and panic if one of them did. So in my younger years, it wasn't. But I would say in my in my Los Banos years, there was guys like that. Yeah, what are you getting at? Yeah, well, I mean, I see it a lot of the times, like with Jimmy when he when I was working for him, and there'd be somebody in the back of the pack, like. uh Jimmy wouldn't say Jimmy's running around like 13th or 14th or, or something like that. And there's a guy like Josh Hill back there or somebody that doesn't think Jim, they try extra hard. I feel like Shane McElrath is in the, in the position where he's, he's like that about everybody. <laughs> he's like, this guy is not beating me. He thinks that way about the whole field at this point. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing in his, in his writing. That's, that's where I think his mentality is at. And where does that come from though? Because he's never been a winner before. I mean, he just won his first one. So where, where did that come from? Is it just his preparations? I mean, where where does he get off feeling that way? Because he's going against Hill. Hill's one. Plessinger's one. Davalos is one. Forkner is like this phenom. J-Mart's a ch- where Where is that coming from? Because in this, is in this field, he is the least successful one. So where does that confidence come from from him? Where where What triggered that? Well, I mean, is... At some point, you become a champion, right? You're not born that way. So maybe he's just so that it clicked, and and that's that's it. Now this is going to be, you know, the Shane McElrath we see from here on out, and that's that's what I hope for. Now, what about Hill and Plessinger? They both had great rides. Hill looked good all day, all night, but they both get out of the gate bad. Um, they came on strong, and obviously, I think the battle with Davalos, Dakotas, all that kind of is what brought them up. That far, otherwise mm-hmm. Shane probably could have got around and, and it would have been a little further than it was, but what are your thoughts on them moving forward? I mean, Hill's a guy who just shows that he can be so good and then so bad. Plessinger, we know he's breathing fire. He said in his interview, too, he said, if I can start up front, I can leave these guys. D- is, yeah. I mean, what happens if Plessinger gets a start? Does he run away? Is he the best one? I mean, I this class to me is still wide open. I mean, I'm, I'm on the Shane train. But I still feel like there's changes. This is 250 racing. Things change, and I feel like there's more changes coming. These guys are going to have their day, too. I, I'm just really anxious to get to Anaheim to see like the next chapter in the story because it's setting up to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I think we can break Plessinger down real fast. Just starts, 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 starts. He's got to start up there. Um, so, I mean, he's proven I think he was um, the fastest lap time, if not on the same tenth as the fastest lap time of the race. Um 
Justin Hill for me, um, he's, I think people got to be careful for him for like, because he, he's doing what he's doing. He makes it look so easy. Like right. he doesn't even look like he's going fast. It just looks, and I feel like that pro circuit Cali is, I still think it's the best looking bike on the track as far as performance. He was um, the best in the whoops handling too, by far. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wh- everywhere from the whoops to power, you know, power delivery. I, I, there might be faster bikes out there, but how that bike puts power to the ground, I think that that is the best bike on the track. So, I mean, but you mentioned how Hill makes things look good. He, he make things look easy, but that might be one of his problems. It comes so easy to him that he kind of takes it for granted, and then he'll have a week where he'll blow it and whatever. But it's it's like it's hard to trust him all the way, you know, because he's mm-hmm. he's proven that he can't really do it all the time. But man, he is scary because when he gets on, he is maybe the best guy in that class. He's in Supercross anyway. He's maybe got it all when he you know executes. But I. Like I said, I really like this field. Even Davalos is going to get starts every time. You can count on it. He'll be up front. So even him just kind of being that maybe the fourth or fifth fastest guy in the class, he'll he'll put himself in good position. But let's move on to Forkner. We were both really high on him coming in. And he is, I, I'm confused because the whoop speed's not there. The total package isn't there. I see flashes of it. I like the aggression, but I just, I don't know if I'm willing to keep him in that lead group I just I, I don't know I, I after two weeks I'm impressed but not all the way I, I am seeing the rookie stuff a little bit and I don't I don't know if he's at the pace of those top four um yeah for me it's the whoops um uh, that, that's that's the uh his starts are there um the whoops are his only issue right now and I'm gonna put it into an analogy that everybody can understand that's ridden a dirt bike you go to your local track and, and you're just learning and, and you're riding around the track and there's a, there's a jump there that you're not doing. There's a tabletop or a double or a triple that you're not doing. As soon as you do it and you, and you get that jump down, as soon as you pull the trigger, your corners get better. Every, you, the whole track, you just get faster everywhere because that's out of your head. I think if Fortner can get more comfortable in the whoops and get that out of his head, it's going to make the, it's going to make the rest of the track click for him too. Um, so uh, yeah, I like can, that. that that's my analogy there. And if the whoops become easy, I think he's going to the whoops. I think after he got past there in the heat, he's, he's automatically thinking, I got to hit the, you know, he's thinking about the whoops corners before the whoops thinking, Oh man, I got to make sure I got to go past the whoops. As soon as he can go through the whoops, um, with his brain off, then we're going to see him win races. You're right. Because what happens is, and I I can say from experience, if there's something on the track, that's kind of bugging you, everything's a little goofy because you're so focused on that one stupid thing. And if that thing wasn't there or if you get it figured out, then all of a sudden it all clicks. So, I mean, I guess I agree. When he gets that part of his program figured out to where he's not thinking about it, and that's the big key. Hill, Plessinger, Mac, they don't think about the whoops. That's just another, that's that's a rhythm section of them. They just, it's not a thought. As soon as that goes away, mm-hmm. everything gets better because it's like a weight off your shoulder. And I do agree yep. because he does look a little off everywhere and it's probably mental. He's probably a little just distracted by the section that he obviously is struggling with. Um, but how quickly can he turn that around? I mean, this series is over. I mean, you snap your fingers, it's done. Is it coming quick? I mean, is he going to figure it out in the next two weeks? Because he's going to end up being 20-something points back here soon. And then, I mean, maybe the title's out of reach. Doesn't mean he can't win races still, but I... I don't know. I, I feel like I, I maybe pumped him up a little bit too much just because of what I saw. I thought he was going to wax everybody, and I just maybe the rest of the field is better than I thought, and he's a little bit, like you said, still hurdled, I guess, by that obstacle. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, for me, I can, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and you can't, I guess, it's hard to count anybody out 
I don't, I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, I, I'm counting him out for the championship, but I, by no means do I think he's going to win the championship, but I do think he's going to get it figured out and win some races. Um, and that's just, and that's not a knock. It's just those guys in front of him. Uh, I think McElrath is looking so consistent. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see the mistakes at a hill like you have in the past just because he looks so comfortable. And then Plessinger's obviously, you know, he, he got second last year in the championship, so he knows what it is to be there week in and week out. So he's gonna, I don't think he's going to be able to pass any of those guys in the points, but I think he's going to be able to click off a couple wins. Greg, let's make some predictions. Um... Hold on, hold on. Let's talk about, do you realize that uh, this is the first race that would have been affected by the, by the lap change? Oh, um, yeah. By the time change? Yeah. Mar- Martin Davalos was the 15-lap main event winner. Um, so really, that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. He led 50, he was leading on the, the start of the 15th lap. So, so um, Martin won in the old format, the Feld screwed him, screwed Feld him, screwed him. So yeah, I mean, think about it last year, he would have been sitting pretty with 65 grand probably in his pocket after everything. Uh, and now he's, he got fourth place and he's licking his wounds. That, so, that poor um, bank of Cuba, man, they're bummed right now. That extra 65 K <laughs> that was coming in. Hey, how is it? How is it that uh, Joe knew he was from Ecuador and you didn't? Because Joe knows weird things, man. I wait, wait, wait. Is that true? Is he from Ecuador? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I literally that was a guess. I was I was just making a lame joke. I was making no, a lame joke. That's hilarious. <laughs> you were right, Ecuador. Joe. Yeah. Nah, they're all. I mean, they're all the kind of the same down there. I they're all they're all neighbors. But um, yeah, Davalos. So I. Everyone bags on that guy, man, and I, I whatever. He's fun to tease because they were announcing last night it's his 30th birthday, and I don't know. I think the guy's a straight G. I think he's one of the smartest dudes in the sport, whether it's by chance or by accident. I, I don't know, but he he looked good last night too. And I think if he didn't spend so much time making you know those little mistakes, Macarath, he or like you said, 15 laps, he would have won it. I mean, but that but that does bring up something, Greg. Emig said it last night like twice. How it's going to be a long race. Who's going to have the conditioning? This week's race was shorter than last week's race. It was shorter because even though it was 20 minutes plus one, this was a shorter track. So I, it's people need to realize that the racing is not really longer. It's some races are just now what the regular ones are. This was not a longer race. It was more laps, but it was just what the regular tracks are like, right? Yeah, but would you not agree that, that a longer lap time track is less busy? Yeah, that's true. It's spread out a little bit more. I guess you could you can you could save energy. I mean that they they it was busy last night. That track was super busy. Yeah, so um, I, I think that plays into it. It was definitely more technical. You see guys like uh, Josh Hansen. Um, he stepped up and did really good. Got a top ten finish um, compared to what he did last weekend. And you could see even in the heat race. Um, where he he wasn't really attacking the corners that great, but he just he outrides those guys in the rhythms. He's so much more talented. He's where, so much more yeah, talented. It's disgusting, you know. And he's got a guy, a, a racer, a guy like Hayden Melross, and uh, that that came up behind him and uh, was pressuring him, and he just kind of, you know, I think Hanny he saw that number that number and goes, I don't know who that is, you know, <laughs> and uh, he he you know he moved out of his lane. He didn't stay in his lane at all, you know. And he moved right over on Mel Ross. So that's right. I'm thinking Mel Ross is probably just sitting there thinking, stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane. But hey. sometimes, you know, you just got to step out of your lane. You know, sometimes if you want that position, you got to step out of your lane. That's true, man. I think it's, it's, it's very important to know everyone in, in every aspect of the world. It's so important to stay in your lane. It's, uh, 
It's you're right, Greg. It's 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 definitely the it's the way I live my life. I just try to stay in my lane. It's you know, smarter move. It's a smarter move for sure to stay in my lane. I agree. All right. Well, now that we got that figured out, what about the fucking Ripper man? The what? <laughs> the Ripper. Jimmy D. Jimmy D. Hey, I felt bad for him too because he think about it at the halfway point. He's going, Yeah, I'm gonna win. Ten uh, laps, maybe man. he led ten laps. I know, and then it just all fell apart. He's lucky too, because he almost ended himself in that rhythm section. Almost ended himself and yep. um I, I was I was proud of it. Is he your upper? Let's get into our uppers and downers. Who who do you got? Is Jimmy D your upper? Man, he's gotta be my upper. For sure, just because of the simple fact that he he was there, you know, and I think he can jump up to that next group of people. Uh, he if he can be a good starter, he ran a um, his fastest lap time was only two tenths off the fastest lap time of the race. Um, he led ten, he just fell off, and I don't I wouldn't necessarily think it's a fitness thing. It's just you know he's that's foreign to him. You know, it, it was a foreign feeling to lead a race, so. A lot of uh, a lot of nerves, a lot of you know, holding your breath. A lot of stuff happens, and he's there. And I think he can he can get into that group if he can become a starter. And I I'm excited for Jimmy D, man. That's that's uh, definitely my upper, especially coming from this from where he he came from. Essentially, he's still kind of on a um, as far as I know, he's still kind of on a you know a, a, a half a year ride. I mean, right. he's never even had a full full ride. He's only got a Supercross ride. So, I mean, he's. He's definitely my upper just for that reason. And, and not only did he get a good start, he was he ran the lap times to stay up there. And if he could have maintained, he, he would have been your, your main event winner. Wow. It, that's true. And the 15-lap thing, I mean, he was, he was closing in on that sucker, too. He was, he was there. He definitely looked good. Uh, that, little, that pack had a little bit more than him tonight, but that's, he's got to be taking some confidence from there and going, okay, all right, I know the pace. I was up there. I see it. But uh, what's your downer this week? <laughs> oh, I gotta say, Webb, poor guy. I said we were gonna pile on the guy. Really, you're gonna you're gonna make him your downer? That's that's I mean, disrespectful. It doesn't get any. I mean, he got 14. It's because, man. I, it's because it bums me out because it's close to home. You know, like you, I could sit here and say, oh, it's it's uh, poor Stelzi missed another main, or it's or it's Brayton because he's just you know who knows what's going on. But I gotta say, Webb, because I'm watching him and I'm thinking like this. It's hard. I'm invested. Like I'm heartbroken. Like, <laughs> I want to see him up there so bad. So for me, he's my downer because uh, because I like watching the dude race. I like the dude so much, and I want to see him up there. So it's it's. I can't only imagine how frustrated it is. Frustrated he is because I'm frustrated. <laughs> my upper. I'm giving two uppers. One is Christoph Purcell, mainly because he he made the main, and that's that's an accomplishment. As I'm I'm proud of him. What he did not make the main. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Purcell? Purcell did not make the main. Oh, you're right. He didn't. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel stupid. You could say Alex Ray, Cade Clayson, Frederick Miller, and Tommy Hahn, but there I completely no... just brain fade. Like I, uh, like I said, I had the, dude, I had the kids. I literally was making a sarcastic joke. Wow. So never mind, Purcell. My bad. I'm, you're not my upper. You didn't make the main. Did he, did he get up from that crash in the heat and ride or no? Yeah, he did. I just think he, you know, there's no... I thought he made it out of the semi. Okay. Well, I feel stupid. No, he was riding good. He was fast in practice. He looked good in that semi. Um, And uh, I don't don't know what to say. I mean, I think... uh, 
My bad, Christoph. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna move you unless you hate him. No, I'm gonna move him over to. I don't. I'm gonna move him over to my to my downer. He's gonna share the downer. Uh, my other upper was the track and dirt works. Um, they did a good job. I I every week. I that's my my f- most favorite part of every Supercross is watching like the first couple laps because I'm like, how is this track designed? How's it gonna be? And and I kind of try to envision the rest of the night. They did a good job with the Bravo. weather. They, with, they did, and they I do I do want to say something. Because I, I forgot to touch on it, there. You know, my brother had a big crash. Oldenburg had a big crash. Martin had a big crash. All in that section, um, there was some talk about, you know, even even came from um, somebody over in Jimmy's camp um, that said, "Hey, you know, good good job, dirt works. You know, it hurt hurt three guys, or could have hurt three guys, or was this amount of crashes." Um, I mean, I build tracks, and it's it's a tough job, and you don't always know when you build it. You got you want to build separation, um, so. I don't think you can put it on them. I do think those guys are, they are level headed. They don't think um, they're above anything. So I just encourage it. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's no riders listening to this, but if, uh, if you're a rider and you're out there and you walk the track and you think it's dangerous, say something, man, those guys will work with you at the riders meeting. They say, Hey, if there's anything that worries you or if you, you don't think you're capable of anything out there, like come talk to, come talk to us and, and let us know. And, uh, you know, if, it's on the riders, man. Those guys need to, if, if there's something they got a problem with after track walk, they need to go up and those guys will, I, I guarantee the dirt works crew will work with you and, and make, make it safe. If you're not feeling like there's a safe section out there. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why they're my upper. I, the weather, the design, everything, even the section you're talking about, the, the, the you're talking about the triple out, right? That rhythm, how it was a little bit, uh, I mean, it was, it was a, just flat, it was flat faced into a burn. So any, anytime you, you crash into something and come to a stop, like a complete stop. It's that's the most dangerous thing you can do. So I, I'm sure they knew that. I just I'm sure when they built it, they wanted it to be difficult. They just, you know, they they went back and they did fix it. Um, it just came late. So right. Yeah. Um, that leads to my downer, Oldenburg. Um, Greg, you know how it goes, man. You're, the, there's these factory guys out there making good money, and then there's guys like Oldenburg who are just on the fence. They're they're getting some, but they're it's more of an opportunity. And he's kind of been kind of on the outside of that lead group, just kind of, you know, just plugging away. And for him at Anaheim to come out, after show all the work he's done in the offseason and get that fourth. And, and, and it was an impressive fourth. It wasn't like he lucked in it. He fought and worked his way into that fourth. I'm bummed for the guy because now he's hurt. You know, it, it, that takes a lot out of you. It, it ruins the momentum that he had. And I felt like he was like on the, on the, on the fence and on the border of becoming like one of those lead dudes. He's got the speed. You've seen, you know him. And I'm He's my downer because I'm bummed for him, man. It's like I know what it's like to be like really close to getting what you want and then having it take away. I mean, you know, having it taken away from you for an unfortunate accident. So for me, I'm just bummed. Broken collarbone. He's gonna be out now, and I. That sucks, dude. I mean, I, I mean, on, on the human side, you know him well. I don't, but I, I, I just as a fan and and liking what I've seen out of him over the past two years and just progressing and chipping away. I'm I'm bummed for the dude. Yeah, me too. But it, it, it is a collarbone, and if they played it, I mean, he'll be back soon enough. Um, I don't think he's going to lose anything um, on that deal. Uh, I think it's two weeks off the bike, and, you know, he can pick up where he left off. I don't think it's – like you said, it's, it is a bummer, uh, uh, but it could have been much worse. Producer Joe, your upper, your downer from San Diego. We'll start with a downer. Raiders are out of the playoffs. Sorry, Joe. Ooh. Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> How about that tattoo? Yeah, it's whatever. 
Chiefs are still in it. Cowboys are still in it. Yeah. Just, just want to throw that out Chiefs, there. Chiefs are looking good. Yeah, Chiefs are, are. going to be Joe's savior. For, That's uh, right. For hey, what's funny is, hey, we're, yeah. hey, we're recording <laughs> this right now, and it's before the game. The Cowboys game's coming up here in a couple hours. Chiefs are tonight. So when everyone listens to this, Greg, we might be out here in a couple hours. Ooh, so when people go on Monday, Tuesday, they're going to be like, oh, these idiots. How, look how confident and cute they are. Their teams are out. Or they're going to go, damn, boys are still in it. But what's your, uh, what's your upper downer this week, Joe? My downer. We go upper first normally. You just you want to throw curveball? It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, my up. My upper was uh, Tomac and Anderson going at it in that first heat. That's the best part of my night. That was your. That's yeah, what you that's, liked the that's most. That's the upper. Yeah. And then my other one is is Baggett flipping on the straightaway there right out the <laughs> gate. I don't know if it's an upper or a downer. I don't. I couldn't decide. Well, it was an upper, and then it turned into a downer. Yeah. It's uh, embarrassing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Greg, what do you think of I that? I rewound it and watched it in slow motion a couple oh times. Oh, my God. Trying How to, does that happen? I was just trying it to figure hilarious. out what the hell happened. Too fast a bike. Uh, He's too little. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you I know what the worst part is? And I thought about this. This is what's messed up. The uh, They showed the 50 racing, too, and the little kid on the 50 looped out. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. that poor kid. I think kid. Ronnie Mack mentioned that. I think Ronnie Mack mentioned that on the oh, he did? last night. I, yeah, I, you I, got like to go I back said. and read Ronnie's tweets. He was, uh, he was, he was, given, he was pretty hard on Baggett and... Um, Devalos last night, so I'm going to go That's, back and check on that. Seems to be Ronnie's uh, his thing. But think about for that little kid, man. He tells all his friends at school, ah, I'm, I'm racing Supercross. Everyone tune in. I'm going to be on Fox. It's probably the whole class. They all probably cheered for him, whatever. The, all his friends are watching, and the poor little eight-year-old kid just loops her out on the gate. That's embarrassing. Self-esteem issues. He's going to go back to school, probably lose his girlfriend. I mean... Poor kid, right? I mean, that, that's embarrassing when 300,000 people watch you loop out on TV, Blake Baggett. Yeah, do you think Blake Baggett's going to lose his girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. She's going to be like, God, like, I thought I was married to or dating or what? I don't even know what he is, but I thought I was with this stud factory rider, single digit, number four, you know, keeping it strong, and he loops out. Pretty squidly. So is that your downer yeah. then, Joe, or upper yeah, or downer? Uh, I don't, uh, can I have two uppers? You get as many uppers as you want, Jim. Right on. That's what I like to hear. Ronnie Mack said, don't worry, Baggett. The seven-year-old on the KTM looped out on the start, too. <laughs> okay, so he did say it. Ronnie Mack's on his A game. Yeah, uh, Greg, thanks for joining us. It was a good discussion. I like breaking down these races with you because uh, you bring great insight, and you're an enjoyable, hum- an enjoyable human being to talk to. Oh, man, that feels good. Thanks, man. I All needed right. that. Remember, Greg loves... Bananas, capital G. All right, win yourself some no toilet stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with listener questions. But, Greg, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll wrap with you this week. All right. Later, bro. Stay tuned. Listener questions, best part, no doubt. Bye-bye. Don't be that guy at the track with stock graphics. You won't pull any sponsors, and you won't pull any chicks. Go to elusivegraphics.com. Elusive kills it on style, quality, and pricing, and will increase your lap times by at least 10 seconds a lap guaranteed. And the next time you tip it over and smash your pipe, don't throw it away, and don't buy a new one. Send it to piperpair.com. Let the boys fix it. It don't matter if it's a two-stroke or four, Piperpair will get your squiggliness back on track in no time. If you support Main Event Moto, then support Elusive Graphics and piperpair.com main event moto podcast
So, Joe, we just get done with the phone call with Greg Albertson, and he just texts me a picture of himself with three bananas in his mouth. He's a talented, talented man, that Greg Albertson. In studio with me today to, to chat a little bit is a man named Jacob. What's your middle name? Ryan. Jacob Ryan Locks, <laughs> a.k.a. Jake the Snake. He's with Static MFG, and Jake, we're stoked. You are our guy. You've done all of our logos. Uh, you did the, you know, you took the video of the of the fat girl on the 125 going over the bars. You turned it into a little, you know, a little Donald Trump looking. Low. And by the way, what was, why did you make the hair look like that? Because we have people hit us up all the time. Hey, it looks like Trump. Did you? It's it's Trailer Park. Is that what it is? Yeah, for sure. Okay, because catchy. It's it is catchy. But <laughs> we got the new logo coming out next week, and we're excited about it. You've been working yeah. on it. Floated a few options and kind of modernized the show a little bit and kind of cemented what we're going to be from here on out, what we're going to look like, and it, it's, we're pretty stoked on it. So first off, me and Joe, we love it. We're stoked, and the Motoheads will be too, but take us behind that thing or that design. You know, like I said, you're you're our art guy. Our, our Facebook um, promotions, our Instagram photos, all the, the, the flashy art, all that kind of stuff you're responsible for, but our new logo, Jake. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I, you know, I, I've been working with you for a while now, and uh, it's been awesome, and I love being able to bring life to your guys' brand here. And um, the logo just came from um, some inspiration of my own, and I really wanted to inject some creativity into that and really show the listeners um, what you guys are all about. You know, the the other logo was... So we're not about a fat girl going over the bars yeah, with the, the Trump yeah. head? <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the funny stuff, this is uh, this is our year. Um, we're we're going to be taking this over and, and doing a, a lot of great things. Um, next to developing your identity, we're going to be dropping... Um, a lot of new clothing for you guys, yep. releasing the whole new line um, probably this spring. Yep. So, um, yeah, just everybody keep an eye out for that. You know, uh, I'm excited. This is kind of our first big project of the year as far as branding goes, and we're going to be pumping out hats and all the merch to go along with it. You know what's funny, Jake, is I think back to, like, our years. Like, my year <laughs> in 09, the, the year I go, you know, the, the, the Geico year, which, by the way, for those of you who are rude and write me on Instagram and tell me to get off the, the Geico thing— Guess what? It was the one thing I accomplished in the sport, all right? I, I like to talk about it, all right? I'm proud. Whatever. Uh, but that year, Jake, we traveled together. You raced Supercross. You were on the road. Yeah. I mean, we've traveled how many years together? And now it's funny because here we are later. Neither one of us race anymore. You're still young, so you don't really don't have the excuses. Your body ain't like mine. I don't know why you don't yeah. race anymore. But, <laughs> but you're doing your thing now with Static Manufacturing. I'm doing the Main Event Moto Podcast. And it's funny that we're still working together as friends and we're grown up now. Because I remember you as this stupid little 16 year old kid <laughs> yeah, who yeah, I, yeah. I could barely travel with you back then and now you're, you're a grown man you're a big part of our show what we're doing here and definitely it's just funny how how, how life works yeah it, it's been awesome dude i mean i remember there was times where i was begging my dad for five extra bucks to get gas in my van to go to the races you know and and you know it was those times those struggling times that built the character and who i am and who i became as a man and um you were a big guidance for me so now to develop what we got going on here is an awesome, awesome experience, and I look forward to bringing that to everyone listening. Now, your static manufacturing, what exactly is that? Let everyone know, because I know what it is, but not everyone knows. Yeah. Well, what is static? Uh, so, I mean, everyone's heard of all the, you know, online, design your own t-shirt, let's get some shirts. Everybody wants shirts. Everybody needs shirts, whether it's, you know, a, a club you're in or a race team or a, a clothing brand you're starting, you know. We're trying to focus more so on the, the quality end of things. We want to provide not just your average, oh, here's your super cheap shirt and print, be on your way. No, right. we're, we're more, more person to person. And uh, 
we want to collaborate with you. We want you to reach out to us and send us everything that you have in mind. And we want to take that on and bring it to life for you. And that's what we offer. Nice. I'm stoked. You can uh, check them out at staticmfg.com. And that's static with a K. S-T-A-T-I-K-M-F-G.com. And uh, yeah, we're excited too. This spring, we're going to be releasing some new clothes, um, new designs. And Jake's going to be handling all that for us. He's going to be pretty much taking over I guess our entire, uh, I mean, what, what do you call that department? Your, our, our, retail. our retail, our brand. I mean, he, he's responsible for that. So when you check out the logo this week, just uh, like I said, spread the word. Let everyone know you listen to Minimap Moto and check out Static Manufacturing at staticmfg.com. Let's get into our Scott USA listener questions. Scott provides the Prospect Goggle, which is the best goggle on the market. If you don't use Scott, then you're an idiot, right, Jake? You're a Scott guy. Scott, my whole life. ScottUSA.com. <laughs> Um, these are the listener questions and there's some good ones and Jake, you can join us with these ones and, and have some fun. The first one comes from Victor and this is on our main event moto at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, but main event moto at gmail. And this is from Victor. What's up, Victor? He says, what's the story on producer Joe not racing Evan? Is he a pussy? Seems like all talk and no show. Hurry up, Joe. Now is your best chance. Remember, Evan is only getting older and faster every day. Joe, I talked to Mr. Wilson this week. He is extremely disappointed in you. Disappointed. Sorry, Mr. Wilson. He says you haven't. He's been he's been you know checking your mind. You know you got the app where you're training your training app. He says you haven't done one day. You haven't been training. You still smoke. You're smoking a cigarette right now in the Batcave. What is the deal? When is this going to happen? I know we've, I mean, I know we have like these floods like out of control, but when things dry up, are you going to do this or not? Evan wants a piece, man. He's yeah, ready. It's happening. Contracts have been signed. So what's the holdup? There's no holdup. Zero holdup. Victor, Victor thinks you're a pussy, man. Well, Victor. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he said. He said. I'm not going to go there. He says. I'm not, I'm not doing is it. Is he I'm a not, pussy? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. All right. I know what you're trying to do, and I'm trying to turn a new leaf this year, so I'm trying to be nicer to the guys who ask questions. All right. So, well, Victor, to answer your question, there's no delay. We're just, it was the holidays. We're working it out. We're in the middle of a flood. And so, they, you know, that's what it is. All right. All right. Daniel, give me two weeks with Joe. And we're going to kick Evan's ass. No, you won't. He's already got a trainer. Jake also does some training on the side, but he's working with Mr. Wilson. And by the way, Victor, <laughs> lick him. Lick him, lick him, lick him. Okay. All around, Victor. Mind your own business. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> there you go, Victor. I'm pretty sure that's what you wanted all along. Um, the next one comes from Charlie. He says, and this, I, I like this one. Up, Charlie? Yeah, this one's good. Charlie says, moto at gmail.com. Last week, Weston Pike said he was going to break Vince Freese's femur if he got the chance. In the semi, I was expecting it to go down, but Weston flew by in the whoops. With Vince's start skills and the odds of many races where they will be together, when does it happen? I don't condone injury, but my friends and I want to see it. Thanks, Bat Bros. <laughs> Charlie, first off, he didn't say he was going to break his femur. He said that he could have. And this is going to lead to a funny story because I've always believed the element of surprise is a little bit better. Like, you don't want to go out and project and tell people what you're going to do. So uh, that it's it's fun for us now because we know, like, man, whenever they get together, we're like, oh, here it comes. But if I was Wes and I would have kept quiet, and here's why. And Jake, you might remember this. Back in 2012, Arena Cross, 
Tyler Bowers, he's you, everyone knows in Arena Cross, he was he was the guy, right? Well, there was a guy named Nathan Skaggs who would hole shot every single race, a lot like Vince. Well, he was holding Bowers up one week, super bad. I mean, just blocking him, blocking him. Bowers went up to him after the race and said, "Next time you get in front of me like that, I am going to end you." The problem is the AMA was standing right there and heard him say it. The very next race, I remember watching it. It was in Wisconsin. Skaggs hole shots, blocking him, right? I watched the dirtiest takeout. I've, I mean, head-on collision put Skaggs to the ground. Well, guess what? Bowers lost all his points that night. You know why? Because the AMA heard him tell him he was going to do it. If he would have never told him, he could have got away with it and just been like, oh, I took a bad line, oh, whatever. But because he said he was going to do it and then did it, he lost 25 points that night. So if you're Weston and you don't like Vince... And you want to break his femur or you want to take him out, whatever. Keep it to yourself. Because if you do it now, they got audio of you talking about it. And that's worse later. I mean, think about it. If you did hit him and break his femur, dude, the dude could sue you. So I'm just, my advice, if you're going to do something like that, keep it quiet and just do it. Because now it's expected and they got audio evidence that you got maybe some plans in the works. Right, Joe? Right. If you're going to, I mean, for you, like when you shank people, you don't tell them first. You just <laughs> shank them, right? Yeah, you never want to, you never want to give a warning about that kind of no, thing. No, you just do it. Yeah. Um, next one comes from Steven. This is at maineventmoto at gmail.com. And Steven says, up, Steve? Daniel, you were pretty high on Forkner coming in. And I'm guessing you have come to your senses after watching two weeks of Supercross He's a rookie and has much to learn. How about that humble pie? Uh, I hope you. Uh, I hope you eat a bit. Uh, I, I'm not going to be mean to this guy. You're right, Stephen. You're right. I'm going to eat a little humble pie. I thought Forkner was going to wax everybody, but like we spoke about with Greg, there's a hurdle for him. It's the whoops, and unfortunately, I think he's got a little bit of figuring out to do before he's ready. I will say this though. I initially thought he was going to ride the East, and the East Coast, the whoops get a little bit more, like, broke down. They're not as, I guess, big and gnarly, and I thought he would have been better on the East. So I feel like him riding West has almost been, it's, I guess, a bad decision on his end. I think he would be better on the East Coast tracks as a rookie, like most guys. Trey Kennard won as a rookie. He was on the East. I think Forkner would have been better off in the East. So, Steven, I will eat the humble pie. I was a little too high on him, but I still have faith that it will be figured out, and eventually he will just own these dudes um, like they're nothing. That that's that's coming. All right, Stephen. All right. Next one comes from Payton and Jenny Nye, and this is on our main event moto at gmail.com. The title of the email is Nye Family. Daniel, the first time I heard the name Eric Nye was when I was watching some racing. Can't remember if it was Supercross or Outdoors, and I thought that was so cool to see the last name Nye on the TV as a pro racer. As I am a racer, also, but far from a pro, I race my local Series MX in the summer. Uh, in the winter, my last name is Nye. Also, I know Nye is not a popular last name. Come to find out last year when I was reaching uh, or racing the RMX series doing arena cross, I met some of my people with the last name Nye. We stayed in touch, found out that they were distant cousins. It's funny how racing brings uh, family together. It would be cool to get a hold of Eric to see where the Nye family all started with him. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, I'm going to email you back right now. I'll give you Eric's address, social security number, credit card. I'll give you all that information and you do with it what you will because Eric Nye, um, let's just put it this way. He's a, he's a dirty, rotten friend of mine 
and we make a lot of bets back and forth. I lose them all, and I'm not happy with Eric right now. All right, he's he made me do some things this weekend. I'm not very happy about, and uh, I blame Eric. But no, Eric actually is a good friend of mine, and he's going to be coming on the podcast here in the next few weeks. He's uh, he listens to the show and he likes it, and he wants to come in and, and rap with me and producer Joe. So Eric will be coming in. As far as me, I'm connecting you two. I I don't know you, and that's just it's I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give out personal information of my friends to people that I I don't know very well. So. Uh, sorry about that, but thanks for the message and um, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Next one comes from Grant Ashwig. Here we go again, Joe. What up, Grant? It's our boy. It's our boy Grant from last week. Yeah. He says, "What up, Bat Bros? What up, Daniel? Pretty close on the name. It's pronounced Ashwig. It's a German name and makes way more sense when you hear hear them pronounce it. And yes." They did screw me over because in fourth grade when learning about World War II, everyone was asking me if my family ran a concentration camp. I get, I get it. Ashwig. Wow. Um, what's, what's, the con- what's the famous concentration camp? Something like that, right? Auschwitz? Uh, Auschwitz. 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 So, yeah. um, Anyways, he says good times. Anyways, back to business. <laughs> oh, okay. Dungey. Yeah, good times. Yeah, not really. Uh, bad times, actually. Dungey gave us a damn good race this weekend, Grant says. To me, it looked like the track was much more difficult this week compared to last. Do you think that contributed to Dunge being closer to Roxon's pace? Obviously, his start was better, and he didn't have to make passes, but in my opinion, his KTM still looks a tad better than the Honda. I'm from Colorado, so naturally I'm a huge Tomac fan. Looks like he's thrown in the towel already. Any word on where he's looking to land in 2018? I'd bet my house that it's not going to be a Cowie, and I need something to help me get through the season. Because it's looking to be a rough year if you're a Tomac fan. Thanks, boys. Grant the uh, the German the German concentration camp guy, Ashwich. Uh, Grant, here's the deal. Tomac, I believe, will not be on Kawasaki next year. I believe he will be a, at two pla- uh, 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 either two places. If Ryan Dungey retires, because I've heard rumors that Ryan Dungey's going to retire at the end of this year. If he does, I see Tomac going to KTM. If he doesn't, which I kind of don't think he will, I think Dungey's going to ride another year or two. I, I, that's just kind of how I feel. Then I think, this is crazy, but I'm going to say it right now, and I, I might be way off, but don't be surprised if next year Eli Tomac is at RCH. All right? Um, I think that Suzuki's going to have a new bike next year. I've heard that it's pretty good. RCH is obviously rebuilding, getting ready to make another run. I think Tomac hates his Kawasaki, and I think next year he'll be looking to go somewhere else. Yamaha's going to be full. Honda's going to be full. Uh, maybe Husqvarna, take Purcell's spot. Purcell obviously doesn't make main events anymore, so they're probably looking to get rid of him. Uh, but they got a lot of money tied into Anderson. I would not be surprised if next year RCH throws some big money at Eli Tomac and he ends up on a Suzuki. And in fact, I think that would be awesome because I think the fit would be better. Um, and as far as Dungey and Roxon, yes, I think Dungey's bike looked a little better last night, except for in the whoops. I think Roxon's bike was good in the whoops. Uh, but the rest of the track, Dungey did look a little bit better. Um, and as we move into Anaheim, I guess that we'll, we'll get the answer to these questions because at least this weekend, Dungey looked good. The track fit him, the bike fit him, everything was good. And Roxham did look a little off. He looked a little rattled, uh, but he still got the win. So, uh, good question, Grant. Moving on to the next one. And this one comes from our boy, Brady Peck. What's up, Brady? He says, Hey, Bat Brothers. Just wondering if you could finally patch Bowers through this episode. Ask him, on a scale of Forrest Gump to radio, 
How bad of a decision was it to go with a team that has a lesser bike for more money, especially in the 250 class? Then he does the emoji with the eyes closed, tongue out. Then he says thanks, and he does the full throttle emoji. So he wants to know, Joe, on a scale of Forrest Gump to radio, I'm assuming like really stupid, uh, what, what was the decision behind? Well, Bowers is no longer on hold. Let's put it that way. He's no longer waiting. He's not happy with us. We, he, he stuck around for too long, and, and he felt disrespected, so he's, he's no longer on hold. But yeah, as far as the bike decision, I, I said it before. I, if, you're real, if you believe in yourself, you take the best equipment and you go to work. If you don't believe in yourself, then you go after the money. At least that would be me. If I right now was getting a chance to race again, I'd probably just take the money because I really don't believe that I have the ability anymore to get it done. If I did, I would go for no money. I'd go for the best bike. And if the opportunity came to ride for Star or Troy Lee Designs, I would have took it. Because look at TLD right now. They won the first two rounds dominating. That bike is killing it. I think the decision was bad on Bauer's part. So, Brady, that is the answer. So the next ones come from a group of you, all right? I, here's, the, here's the thing. I put this on Instagram. I said, hey, if you want to be on listener questions, email us at maineventmoto at gmail.com or private message us on Instagram. But there's a, there's a pack of you who decided to just comment underneath the picture, which I guess I, that goes against orders. But I guess we're going to give you your, your, your day on the show. <laughs> but we're going to do this in lightning form, all right, Joe? All right. Jake, you going to help me with this one? Yep. First one comes from TNE Designs. What do y'all think about Forkner stuffing McElrath early on the 250 main? To me, it looks like McElrath's fire got ignited after that. What do you think, Jake? I mean, you, you watched I, it. I think it's a lot like the first day at school uh, as a kid. You know, you walk up to the bully and you lay him out you, you right there. <laughs> you send a message, right? <laughs> you walk up to the biggest dude in school. I'm a little guy, so I, I've always had to, you know. Or, is that Or jail. It's, it's, the same. <laughs> it's Joe, the same everywhere. So, Joe, you don't want to be holding someone's pocket. So what do you think, though? Forkner goes in there and, I mean, just gave him some. And then McElrath, he did. He like he got fired up. and yeah. it, I gave him props, but he, he could have followed through a little better. Which one? Uh, the first one. Forkner's? Yeah. Forkner. He did. He, it's like he, he like bumped him. Yeah. But then again, he's probably not looking to take someone no, out. But no, he did. But he he kind of woke him up a little bit. McElrath, you're going to do it. Do it all the way, right? <laughs> that's true if you're, if you're gonna hit someone then you might as well do it all the way because if you don't put them down they're gonna come back he's gonna come back for you yeah definitely. that's that is definitely the theory uh the next one comes from perry 615s what did you think of plessinger's interview a little cocky question mark i thought it was but i liked it he said if i got up front i would run away from these guys jake did you take that as cocky i did but i not maybe cocky more confident but joe you kind of commented on this that's not really Plessinger's style. He's usually like, yo, dude, that was great. I, you know, I'm just having fun. But, but he was like a little bent, a little serious, and a little cocky. Yeah. You think so? Do you have a problem with it? No. I like it. Yeah, I don't mind. Now, is he right? That's the a, that's a thing. Cockiness depends if you can back it up. Is he right? If he was a whole shot, would he run away? Yeah. You, you think so? Yeah. I do too. Jake, given the right circumstances, yeah, he he could he could gain a, a good gap on those guys, I believe. So, all right, so yeah, a little cocky, but I'm okay with it. Um, but he's got to back it up. You better do it. If you hole shot next week, you better run away because you just said it on TV that you could. So, um, the question is, will he get a good start? Eh, I wouldn't be uh I wouldn't be betting on that. Uh, next one comes from El Gringo One Eighteen. 
Oh, Gringo says, what's up with Hanson running Melross wide? Necessary or not? Joe, he pushed Melross off. Melross fell in the bales. I didn't think it was dirty, but he definitely, he definitely drifted wide very casually and put him off. I didn't think it was dirty, but was it necessary? I, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because when you have someone behind you who's a little faster and they're all over you and they go to pass you, you have a choice. Either let them pass you or fight back. And one way to fight back is to kind of push them off the track and make them fall down. That's one way to get pressure off your back. And for Hanson's sake, it worked. He did a great heat race, had a great main event, and at the end of the day, I think it was okay. You got a problem with it? Nope. <laughs> Jake, no problem with it? No. It wasn't okay. dirty at all. So no. it, it wasn't, but it was it unnecessary is the question. El Gringo wants to know, was it necessary? Like I said, you're you're in that when you're in that position, you're better off following all the way through than leaving a little bit of a door open at all. I agree. Uh, the last one comes from C Warren thirty five, who says why do bats sleep upside down? Joe, this sounds like a Joe question. Joe, do you know why bats sleep upside down? I have no idea. Uh, no. Think about it from a human aspect. Upside down, the head rush, you wake up with a headache. I, that'd be horrible, but why do bats sleep upside down? I don't know. Google it. I mean, we're the bat bros. It's true. We don't sleep upside down. It's true. So, I don't know. I don't uh, know. And then, of course, Dio pipes in. Uh, of course, because Dio's got to always pipe it and up, says, Dio? people who suck at following simple directions, and then he gives the emoji with, I guess, the eye roll. Is that the eye roll emoji? Uh, yeah, I don't see it. Uh, so that's what I hear. Take a look. Oh, yeah. That's the eye roll, right? Yeah, yeah. Dio. Dio always comes through with some with some good stuff. Guys, it was a good show. Jake, thanks for coming in late and chatting with us and letting everyone know how you're going to be contributing to Main Event Moto, and I hope that we can help you as well. Producer Joe. The Mac Daddy of all daddies behind the keyboard, producing like a straight G every week. Can't help himself. Uh, but let's thank the sponsors who make this show possible. Motosport.com, Nutup Industries, Scott USA, Mika Metals, PipeRepair.com, Elusive Graphics, No Toil, Williams Motorworks, and of course, Static MFG. Jake, thanks for stepping on board with us. And guys, great show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next week for Mid Event Moto, episode 37. We out of here. Main Event Moto. Ah, screw it. You know it by now.